that with your fingers around your eye. I'm Roger Moore. <laughs> Bang! Blood dribbles down. Ah, yes, hello. Pay attention, 007. You're back with the Silver Screen Podcast. Your mission briefing for today is to tell us your top James Bond movies. And uh, you are my finest three secret agents here. <laughs> I am Mike, your usual host, but today I'm taking on the role of M, quite fittingly, because if you shorten my name, you get M. And <laughs> I am joined by uh, my very own uh, Money Penny, I suppose, DK. <laughs> Hello there, Michael. It's uh, very nice of you to have me on. <laughs> Anytime. We're joined by our Q for the day, uh, Jamie or JA Productions. <laughs> Hello, I'm Q. Now make sure you don't break anything, 007. <laughs> That's my lunch. And we are joined once again by, at this point, what is the unofficial third member of our podcast and today's chosen Bond girl, Sandra Evans. <laughs> Hello. Hello, welcome. Uh, yeah, we've uh, assembled quite the experts in James Bond. I think we've all seen all of the films, or almost all of them, except maybe Sandra, who is the relative newbie, I think, of the podcast. Yeah, almost all of them. <laughs> Confession time, I want to get this right out of the bat. I haven't seen No Time to Die. I, I really I like, okay. No, I haven't. I haven't gone around to it. I thing is like I've been rewatching the Bond films, but I didn't get around to the Craig films. I, I would have watched No Time to Die, but I felt like I should watch all the Craig films. So the Craig films are the least fresh in my mind when you're doing the ranking, and I haven't seen No Time to Die. But that's the only one I haven't seen. And you like don't that. have to worry about spoiling it. I've seen all the spoilers. Ah, okay, spoil. I was going to say, because when we get to talking about it, potentially, I was going to say, do you mind if we spoil it? Because we have to say why we do or don't like it or why it is where it's placed. So, yeah, that's fair enough, as long as we can talk openly. And we should probably say, audience, there will be spoilers for the James Bond films. If there are any you haven't seen, you know, just proceed with caution, I suppose. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I uh, I know that, Sandra, you hadn't seen a lot, and then you've just been revising like crazy for this last week. You've got a head full of Bond. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Your dedication <laughs> to this podcast just goes above and beyond. I uh, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I'm worried I'm going to get confused oh. on some of them. Well, you've seen quite a few, and uh, as I said, we always have at least one relative newbie. But yeah, I will say as well, um, I've seen all of the Bond films, but I did want to refresh myself on a few of them. Uh, namely, I still haven't gotten around to For Your Eyes Only, Octopussy, and Diamonds Are Forever, which I would have liked to give a rewatch, but I don't remember particularly loving them. <laughs> so if you're wondering why they're not in my list... Trust me, mate, you're not missing out on that on that one. Yeah, I put the roast on when I saw the moon buggy, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And if you understand that reference, we can be best friends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're going to start then with our honourable mentions. Uh, we can have up to four honourable mentions, I probably should have said, which would be the four films that almost made our list but didn't because it was really difficult for me to make this list. Uh, we'll just go through and rattle them off, though. We're not going to go you know, into any uh, great detail, but we may as well get them out of the way. 
Uh, and we'll start with you, uh, Sandy. Why don't we start with you? Do you have any honourable mentions, or did you not quite see enough of the on stuff? Um, yeah, I didn't really have any honourable mentions because once you know you get past the the tight ten, um, they kind of all have good and bad that you like, and they all kind of equal out in my for me. Hmm. So fair enough. That's no problem. Uh, what about you, Jimmy? Do you have any honourable mentions, or just your top ten? Uh, I, I got I, I've got four honourable mentions I I want to mention. Um, Go for it, rattle them off. Yeah. It's basically, like I'll just say all of the the films in my top ten are films I would rate like a nine or um, like they're all the films I rate like a nine or a nine point five out of ten. The honourable mentions are the high eight out of tens, and they are Octopussy, The Living Daylights, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and Live and Let Die. Okay, fair enough. Um, any quick reasoning behind why they didn't quite make it, or just good but not quite good enough? Uh, a lot of them is good, but not quite well. Okay, so uh, Live and Let Die um, has problems, which um, knock it down, mm. and we, we we know those ones. Yeah, it's going to happen a lot, though. To be fair, <laughs> Octopussy yeah. is a like really good. Besides the pacing, is the pacing which is a problem mm. for me for Octopussy. Uh, the Living Daylight is, I think, it's really great outside of the villain, and On a Majesty's Secret Service, I probably need to rewatch because it's. Like for me, it was like first half, eh, second half, fantastic, and I feel like I need to to rewatch it. And it, if I rewatch it, it probably would get into the top ten. But I just thought I'd give it a mention anyway. Yeah, fair enough. That's understandable. Uh, DK, you are kind of as much of a Bond expert, if not more, than me. So I'm sure you have at least four honourable mentions because we've been changing and altering and swapping our lists for ever since we announced this. So, what are your final top four honourable mentions then? <laughs> well, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll preface this by saying there's. there's... Not actually a single James Bond film that I detest. So I would say uh, the same, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're all pretty much up there. It's not in my top ten. I did struggle with it, but mm -hmm. I've only got one honourable mention. And right. it's uh, one that everyone else seems to hate, which is Quantum of Solace. Oh, it didn't make your top ten. I'm surprised, because you do it, sing its praises quite a lot. I, I did, but in, in the end, I just... I struggled, but I, I just couldn't fit it in. Uh, yeah. When I saw it at the cinema, absolutely loathed it. But uh, <laughs> when I saw it afterwards, after I'd calmed down a little and uh, really got into playing the uh, the video game, it it grew on me. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I enjoy it. It's it definitely got its flaws, but uh, it had great potential to be carried on. And I think it would have uh, had they not got the rights back to Spectre. I think it might have been looked on in a more favourable light had the story continued. That's fair enough. I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's not on my list. I'm not a huge fan of it. I think it just, it dragged on too long. The villain was weak. I didn't like that it was an entire movie's worth of Bond being depressed over the last Bond girl, basically. And, I do uh, love the fact that while most Bond villains have, you know, plans for world domination and this and that, the villain in Quantum of Solace just really wanted a nice hotel. <laughs> yeah, but that's he's the, like that's the Bond the villain Basil Faulty, and I think he, put, <laughs> he puts it like in that little ludicrous, you know, section. Uh, at the same, the the same as the start of uh, For Your Eyes Only, when for some reason Blofeld oh. offers to buy Bond a delicatessen. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that's one of the many reasons I dislike that, <laughs> that opening sequence where he inexplicably throws Blofeld, but we're not allowed to call him that down like a power station chimney. It's one of the weakest points of the entire franchise. But yeah, oh, anyway. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, Quantum of Solace, I did like a couple of things. I liked the um, 
the Goldfinger homage in the death of uh, Strawberry Fields, which terrible joke, by the way. And uh, I did like how kind of uh, dark it is that he's like, I'm in the desert. I will just die. And he chucks him like a can of oil and go, ah, well, drink that and you'll die even quicker, yeah. I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, so I'll, I'll rattle through my honorable mentions then. Uh, my four are in reverse order Spectre, which I know nobody else likes, but I still do. I think it's a good film with the exception of the Austin Powers twist that they stole. <laughs> Not everybody has to be related. Um, I do like License to Kill. It's very much an 80s action movie, but I can get on board with that. And I like the elements of the Bond movie uh, novel, sorry, that they introduced uh, bits from like Live and Let Die and stuff. And, you know, it's, it's Timothy Dalton. He's pretty good. Didn't play him Welsh. So, you know. <laughs> Uh, the next one would be You Only Live Twice, which I remember liking a lot more until I rewatched it literally like a couple of weeks ago and just thought it's slower than I remember. It's a lot more problematic and racist and it's just not quite mm. as as much fun as I recalled it being until at least the last, like it, it's exciting for the last half hour or so, but there's a lot of build up to get there, which is why it didn't quite make the list. Uh, and my last, uh, my number 11, as it were, last honorable mention would be A View to a Kill, which I know also isn't popular with everyone, but it's just one of the first I saw. And I don't know why I just, it, it's embedded in my heart. Christopher Walken, Grace Jones, Blimps, the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, microchip plots and things. It's just fun. It's a nice Bond knock around. And it's, you know, the spirit of Bond for me, because I'm more of a Roger Moore person, I think, than Sean oh, Connery. Yeah. So, Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that would be. Oh, and uh, my other thing that I have to mention—it's not a Bond film, but um, you'll hear me mention it. You probably already have many a time. My other honourable mention is an episode of the TV show I'm Alan Partridge called "Never Say Alan Again," which is just devoted to the James Bond films um, because yeah, it's just hilarious and it's imminently quotable. And I've shared it to pretty much everybody on this episode at some point, um, and probably will again. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, just to get uh, the rules and regulations over with then now that we've done the honourable mentions, uh, if you are new to our top tens, we've done a few on the silver screen and on our Star Trek podcast. What we do, we go around and get everybody's um, number 10, then 9, then 8. I personally assign them a rank based on where they are. So then number 10 gets one point, then number 9 gets two points, right the way up to their number one, which would get 10 full points. Then I try to accumulate a final total uh, top 10 out of that. Hopefully it comes together while TK is reading out our audience responses um, and in terms of what was eligible given that it was uh, the category was quite you know specific with James Bond there wasn't a lot to say other than to say that I didn't preclude anybody from including Casino Royale 67 or Never Say Never Again but they probably didn't because they're shit so yeah you're not missing anything I'll be I honest like watching good movies <laughs> Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> they're not official and they're not good either. So, <laughs> yeah, that's enough said about those. So, um, yeah, without any further ado, then, let me just say it's time to go for our top ten. Bond. James Bond. So, grab yourself. A martini, shake and not stir. And let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> I do love to have myself a soundboard, Andy. So um, we will go with, well, we kind of established a reverse order, so we may as well go with it. So Sandra, what is your number 10 film, please? My number 10 is The Man with the Golden Gun. Wow. And I like okay. this one. You know, I think I may have seen this when I was younger and thought it and just got like a really, really bad idea of what The Love Boat was about because... <laughs> 
I remember actually seeing this on the screen in the background and thinking it was a love boat and just being very scared of tattoo. Um, it also has my most unhinged notes. Um, and I think that's why I liked it because there was just so much fantastic stuff. I mean, my notes say third nipple question mark and then superfluous capilla. So I, I got, I learned that, but um, I liked, you know, just when she said, uh, when they were trying to figure out who was killing Bond and they were like, I don't know, it could be jealous husbands, outraged chefs, humiliated tailors. And I, I thought that was funny and kind of encompassing Bond's kind of spirit um uh the swallowing of the bullet <laughs> and and he said he goes to a pharmacy right after that but it's never clear which way the bullet exited and and just his face during that so i just thought there was some uh very good subtle things throughout the movie um like his scratched up watch i just appreciated the attention to detail fair enough um yeah i know it's popular with a few people but for me this would be the closest i would have to a dishonorable mention because <laughs> i hated it when i, I re-watched it very recently and i just thought this is terrible it's just out and out slapstick it's ridiculous it's just not good and i mean brit eckland is atrocious how she was cast in this i do not know i just i can't even though it's my mom's favorite bond film because i think she saw it at the cinema as well i just can't get on board with it although i suppose the interconnecting Transformers Golden Gun is kind of cool. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, Man of the Golden Gun is an interesting film for me because I acknowledge its flaws. I know it's voice crack, sorry. I know it's not very good. And I know it's the film with the slide whistle car jump, which I do still hate, but <laughs> it's so damn stupid. I can't just, I can't not love it. Like, that's fair. Yeah. I've got friends who get a load of ironic enjoyment out of Diamonds Are Forever. I personally can't. I just really don't like it. Man with the Golden Gun, on the other hand, this is my ironic masterpiece for Bond films. I absolutely adore it. But, you know, even outside of ironic enjoyment, I do think there are some genuinely great things. Like, I love Scaramanga. I think he's a fantastic villain. I mean, it's Christopher Lee, but what more do you want? Fair enough. Well, we'll see if Man with the Golden Gun makes anybody else's list. Uh, but we'll leave that there for now. And uh, Jamie, we are with you. What is your number 10 film, which will get one point? Well, I'm immediately starting off with the arguably the most well-known Bond film, Goldfinger. <gasps> Goldfinger. What's the one where the laser beam goes off his jacksie? Go on, yeah. then, Tommy. <laughs> or should I Why say... did it not place higher, frankly? But okay. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, it is a fantastic film. Do, do not get me wrong. Like, it's still a nine out of ten film. I think it's. I, I do think it is fantastic. But I'd say there, like, there was like some, some like there were some issues here and there. Like, you know, I think. The first half was definitely better than the second, in my opinion. And this movie also does have, in my opinion, the most problematic scene in any Bond film, which kind of, mm. you know, sours the whole experience. I know, I know yeah. like, I know they're products of their time. I, I accept, I understand that. And, you know, many Bond films, I, well, not look past them, but I can enjoy it around it. But this film, I think, just sort of pushes it a bit too far. But that's not yeah. like the, the, the main book is why. equally as bad, if not worse, by the way. <laughs> I know, I know about the book, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, yeah. like, as I, said, I just think, like, I think more than anything, the reason it's at number 10 is I just, I just prefer the other films. But, that, you know, okay. I do still really enjoy this film. You know, it's, it's um, yeah. I think it's, I'd say it's probably got Connery's best performance, either this from, or from Russia of Love. Like, you know, one of his best performances. Uh, it's got so many iconic moments that I feel like that makes it a joy to, to rewatch. It's like, oh, yeah, I know that. that that's where this comes from. 
um you know i love odd job as the um as the henchman and his his yeah. mario odyssey cappy it's it's, all, it's <laughs> random <a> task <laughs> and you know goldfinger himself fantastic villain just yeah. and you know, i just it's a classic it is a classic i can see why many people rate it as highly as as they do i still i still love it i just prefer the other ones that's fair enough. I wouldn't have thought of this until um, Sandra was re-watching the Bond films the other day and brought it up, but are you bothered at all by the fact that they completely overdub Gert Frobe's voice as Goldfinger? It's a different actor. I, well, granted, I haven't seen this film in, like, at least a year, so I can't say I recognise, I, I noticed it immediately. I don't think it's that noticeable. It's it's more egregious in some other places. I think um, Ursula Andress, for example, in Doctor No is at times very noticeable, but... Yeah, it just it, it strikes me as odd because they still kept a very weird pseudo-German accent, even though it's not that actor. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. It just seems like a weird choice. Also, I've yeah, got to mention um, this. Unless I'm yeah. remembering Diamonds Are Forever wrong, I think this is the only the only Connery film to not end on a boat. Because <laughs> all the other I... ones end with the yes, yes, Dams of Forever. Really? It ends on the cruise ship, doesn't it? So yeah, every every Connery film besides huh. this one ends on a boat of some kind. There's at least a couple of the Roger Moore ones. Now I'm thinking about it that end on a boat. <laughs> I, I just when I was watching it, I know some Brosnan's actually stuck in my mind. But even <laughs> this film did technically um, um, end on an island, so it is still by the sea i just wanted yeah. to mention it just like as a random thing because i noticed it and weren't going through so basically every every um every connery film which has um which is related to blofeld in some way ends with a boat <laughs> Fair enough. awesome awesome uh, observation we'll see if that makes anyone else's list again uh but we will go to you dk for your number 10 uh, james bond film please. uh my number 10 is the world is not enough Oh, that didn't make my list, but I don't hate it. Um, I have issues, but yeah, go ahead. Well, why was uh, your number your number ten? Well, by this point, you know, we got well into the lore of the uh, the Brosnan Bond, and it was nice to see a few familiar faces turn up. I thought Sophie Marceau was fantastic as uh, Electra. The less said about uh, Begbie, the better. But uh, yeah, other than that, <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, yeah. Other than that, I thought it was a really, a really solid movie, and I thought it followed up from uh, Tomorrow Never Dies very well. Fair enough. I, I, I did like that is. we had a very strong female um, protagonist, or antagonist, rather. Yeah, um, we had a strong female antagonist, but let's be honest, the female protagonist was terrible. Denise terrible. Richards was a rocket scientist. What on earth? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Christmas Jones. I mean, come on. <laughs> Somebody whose entire name was just there for Bond to make a terrible pun as well. <laughs> just, a very terrible pun at the end. <laughs> there's a, there's a yep. couple of that look just like um, Diamonds Are Forever. Like, hi, I'm Plenty. Well, of course you are. Of course you are. Plenty O'Toole, named after your father, I presume. Yes, we know. I mean, this is the franchise that gave us Pussy Galore and oh. you know, Holly Goodhead and various things. But even still, by Brosnan, we should have really grown out of this. But uh, no, I don't love World of Not. I, I, I did at the time, and I really enjoyed watching it at the cinema, but I just think there's now moments that are... Like, the, the shoehorning in of Robbie Coltrane's GoldenEye character doesn't sit well with me either. No, and, no, uh, don't, don't, don't diss Robbie Coltrane. Yeah, I, I like that. I'm looking mm. for a submarine. It's big, black, and the driver's a friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> he's the best, he's yeah, the best but... part of the movie. Well, that and the boat chase. 
I like the intro. I will say, I think the um, the incredibly long pre-credit sequence is probably my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the rest of it's, it's glorious. Just, uh, yeah. The rest I will of say it's now that the um, the Brosnan films are the films I most I watched most recently, so they're most fresh in my mind. Okay. So, you know, Fair. World is Not Enough. I watched that earlier this month actually, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's not top ten for me, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was um, pretty, I thought it was quite a fun film. It is absolutely not worthy of a 2.8 rating on Letterboxd. Like, that is shocking. Isn't it, though? Isn't it? <laughs> I mean... It is. <laughs> um, no, like I said, I just can't... I don't know. There's something about... I mean, come on. They have the rapper Goldie in it as a henchman for crying out loud. I mean, there's just too much. It was... You can definitely tell it was heading to die another day. And, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I couldn't... Well, I'll take this over die another day any day. Well, yeah, but I mean, it was heading that way. You guys don't hate any Bond film. You guys don't hate any Bond film. I do. Die another day. Oh, that's not fair. That's not fair. I don't. I don't hate it. But as I was saying to Mike earlier, that that movie's end credits for me are the opening credits. <laughs> it's fine until the opening credits, and then anything after. No, no thanks. Fair enough. Oh, well, well, we, you've picked the world's not enough anyway to give it your number 10 and one point. Well, I suppose we're up to me for my number 10 then, in that case. Uh, my number 10, which some people might find a bit low, but I'll explain, is um, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. I like this film a lot, but upon re-watching it again very recently, um, I noticed a lot of problems with it. Notably that the actual heroine of the movie, Tracy, just disappears for a solid hour in the middle of the film, and it makes absolutely no effort to write her in anywhere or do anything to keep that sort of in the audience's mind. Then she just miraculously turns up and happens to be in the same location when she's needed, and it just felt like this is just badly written, frankly. I don't understand why. Plus, um, the whole kind of... Again, there's going to be problematic elements in all of them, and I'm sure there will be in some of the ones I'm talking about, but this whole, you know, Bond imitating the effete gay kind of geneticist guy was just no <laughs> that was a bad yeah. joke and it went on far too long um but yeah and I, i'd be honest i don't particularly love this version of blofeld either he doesn't seem as menacing for me and i don't get why because uh, and no the opposite. i thought um telly savalos was a much better menacing blofield that's mm. interesting See, i think charles gray and donald pleasance were both you know, more of a presence, yeah, a presence for me, just more of a threat. Um, even though, yes, Donald Pleasant is just Dr. Evil now to us, you know, in this day. Well, that's not the but, film's fault, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, uh, no, for me I didn't, on that but, movie, there was some action. I didn't like how the action scenes were filmed, they just felt very incohesive to me. Oh, yeah, people I, ended yeah. up and like he would throw a guy five feet, and then the next shot, he was like 15 feet away running up the grabbing an anchor on the beach it was just i yeah. that took me out of the movie this is it yeah, i was I not impressed the, 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 the editing seemed very off on this one yeah very yeah there were i did notice that a lot of the edits and a lot of the kind of director's decisions were very weird as well um, yeah. but i will say there are some good action sequences as well like i do quite enjoy the you know the action scenes on the ice and such um yeah. you know towards and the end of the film i think shots, some good aerial uh helicopter shots for sure, and the whole assault on Piz Gloria was neat. Definitely, that's what I mean. Yeah, definitely awesome. And uh, yeah, I just, I kind of, I think Diana Rigg is probably 
I mean, you can see why she's had that impact because she's a great actress anyway, but she's easily one of the best Bond girls. And I think that is part of the reason why I couldn't place it higher was because you can't have her just disappear for an hour, which was a shame. But when she's on screen, she's electric and you can see why Bond would completely, you know, marry her, basically. Oh, um, that, ending is you know, that ending is what, yeah, what got it on the list effectively. I remember it being more powerful because I think when you first see it, it just hits you. So I remembered it being longer and more kind of heartbreaking than, but I think that's because you're steeled and ready for it. But yeah, that ending is just brave and unique and awesome and all of the cool things. And uh, I just, this was one of the few kind of relationships that I believed, like when they're in the barn and he's like, you know, oh, well, we'll quit everything and get married. And I was like, Do you know what? I weirdly believe it, even though, you kind of have just met and there are other Bond films where it's like, I've just met you and now I'm going to bed you or whatever. And I'm like, there's no chemistry here whatsoever. But yeah, I like the chemistry in this one. I liked the, I liked the mission in so much as it kind of made a bit more sense, like what Blofeld was doing than some of the other logics leaps, you know, <laughs> but um, it was more grounded. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. And it was, it was something you could imagine kind of, Oh dear, this could well happen. And I kind of did like the fact that Bond went through unofficial channels because I know some people don't like that, but I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of a sucker for like, oh, you're not going to help me M, then I'll go rogue. <laughs> you know? so, but uh, yeah, anyway, I think I've explained enough why it's number 10, but only number 10. But uh, we'll Shout out to I this did. film for being the one Bond film we watched clips of in my, in my film class. We, we were studying oh, no Inception way. and the, the Snow Fortress in Inception was inspired by this film. So we got, we got to watch um, some clips from this film and that, that was that was fun. Oh, wow. Nice. I will say as well, by the way, George Lazenby, very good as a Bond. Just uh, for a long time, he was getting grief because he wasn't like, you know, Connery or Moore or whatever. And I think he's actually brilliant. I think he holds his own surprisingly well. I mean, he's not Sean Connery and following him up. But you can see why everyone was like, oh, what's this? But, you know, and I also, again, it's probably detested by most people, but I kind of love the the weird fourth wall break when he yeah, uh, just runs away from it. <laughs> exactly. This never happened to the other fellow. I just think that's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> but, uh, but that is not anyway. proof of the, the Bond code name theory because, no. you know, for your eyes only exists. Yeah, exactly. Where, you know, it's the same wife. So it couldn't possibly be. Anyway, um, except when you get to Daniel Craig, which is a whole other thing, which I'm sure we'll explore in, in a minute. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, we're around to the number nines then. And Sandy, what is your number nine, uh, James Bond film? My number nine actually was Goldfinger, and I pretty much talked about that. Um, I thought okay. also the Fort Knox, uh, <laughs> that he he's like, it took us 15 years to plan this Fort Knox robbery, and they has this humongous one sixteenth scale model for no reason. I was like, but probably would have been three if you'd not made the scale model. What's because interesting it's a though, movie. <laughs> yeah, that That's scale model mean. is actually in Fort Knox today displayed. The, the no scale way. Model. That's hilarious. I'm wondering if, um, like, you know, these villains have some kind of specialist to go to him and Max Zorin with the Silicon Valley one. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, there is We've a. Got another order. <laughs> There's a modeler like, to the supervillains. <laughs> I also Sorry. like that this was the first time we kind of got into Q's lab that I recalled, where yes. we just got to yes. see everything, all that action, just bullet, uh, and then the Aston Martin, you know, just with all of its features, a mm -hmm. bulletproof, and and the revolving plates. That was cool. Tracker, yep. smokescreen, oil slick, machine guns, and. My favorite, the passenger ejector seat, which I sometimes wish I had in real life. 
<laughs> it's a no, funny no. story about that. My my okay. dad had a had a car like once. It wasn't an Aston Martin, but he had a car and it had like a button which was very similar to the ejector seat. I don't I can't remember what he said it was, but you know, he would use it occasion. If he was ever driving with someone, they'd always tense up whenever he pushed that button because he thought because they thought they were about to go flying. <laughs> yes, because most cars just have an inbuilt ejector seat. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Honda and Toyota weren't about to get patents for that one. But no, <laughs> fair enough. And then the last um, thing that really made this make my make my list was the music. The the trumpets were really ramped up ooh. in the Bond um, music, and even yeah. the interlude music was catchy. And I just really thought it was like quintessential Bond, in my opinion. So that's why it made my list. The first truly great Bond theme, I think, as well. Shirley Bassey, legend. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, so uh, Goldfinger again getting points and uh, doing well so far. So, uh, Jamie, uh, Mr. J Productions, we're back to you. What is your number nine? Here's one for my number nine is for your eyes on me. Wow, okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I am, um, uh, I'm surprised, but go for it. Why, uh, why for your eyes on me? I really love this film. I'm, I'm gonna be honest, I, I, I don't know why. I, I I really do just get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Like, you know, I find it really fun, but it also, like, it has a bit of an edge, but, like, not too much. Like, it doesn't go overboard. Like, it still has, like, the fun, the fun bond to it. It still feels like, you know, a Roger Moore film. And I think, you know, it does have Roger Moore's best performance, in my opinion. But I, I just find this film incredibly memorable. And it's, it's like, I'd happily watch it again. I just find it a lot of fun, really enjoyable. It has... In my opinion, it has my favorite car chase in any Bond film. Oh, get out. It's not a Bond car. Isn't that the one where he uses a Citroen 2CV? Yeah, <laughs> but, but driving the country, that music makes it. That's, that, that's, that, that song is an absolute banger. I've listened to it way too much, but it is oh, so good. That, that makes I the whole thing amazing. Music. <laughs> what do you think? Well, different strokes for different folks, you know. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not my particular choice, but. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. That's a maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe the newer generation are starting to love for your eyes only, and us oldies are just not fans of it. <laughs> I think I, I think I would like it a lot more had it uh, got some John got a John Barry soundtrack behind it. Hmm. I don't know. There's parts of it that I just I think I think it's too slow, too dull. It's an overcorrection after Moonraker to too much yeah. seriousness, and like I said, it's just God, things like the Citroen car that just looks. Terrible. It's just, yeah, no. <laughs> I can't. I probably do need to rewatch it, but for now, it's a no. I really like Melina as a, as a Bond girl. The hu the humor worked. The action was superb. The um the the car the car chase, the ski chase. That I'm gonna say it. The ski chase in this film was better than the ski chase in On the Majesty's Secret Service. And like, I don't recall that, but okay. <laughs> no, I I love the ski chase in this film. I think it's fantastic. And um, you know. I, I do just generally really like it. I see my problems are the pacing ain't perfect, and the pre-title sequence is terrible. I, I will fully admit that. The mm -hmm. Blofeld. Like, I know the behind-the-scenes reason for why it happened. You know, there were rights issues, and they need to kill off Blofeld. Like, I know why it happened, but it doesn't make it any good. It's so stupid, though, when you've got that connection to, like, the, the powerful emotion of, like, killing his wife, and they just do it as a slapstick throwaway thing out of pure spite because they don't have the rights and there's another movie being made and it's just so annoying. 
I hate it. <laughs> but anyway, and then as you said, just what what is this whole um, buy you a delicate? It's it's surreal. It's like it's written by the mighty Bush or something. It just comes out of nowhere. But yeah, <laughs> anyway. um, regardless. So that was for your eyes only. That was your number nine, Jamie. Uh, yeah, so BK, we're back to you. What would be your number nine Bond film? Well, following on from uh, for your eyes only, my number nine is Octopussy. Yes. E Octopussy, go for it. Why would you like Octopussy? <sighs> I just think it's tremendous fun. As as Jamie mentioned earlier, it does have pacing problems, and that ending with the hot air balloon and the girls is just ludicrous. But uh, Louis Jordan is fantastic in this. So is Stephen Burkoff. I love the whole chase at the end with the circus and, you know, Bond's trapped in a car with these <laughs> tourists that are just eating sausages and shit. Um, it's just completely over the top in some, you know. Him as a clown. I just couldn't even take that. I wonder if, if even yep. while they were filming, if they just didn't burst out laughing every time. Yeah. He's seriously trying to talk as a clown. That was great. That's stupid yeah. circus and clown thing. I that's That's my overriding memory of this, and it's ingrained in as just me. Wanting to walk out of the room, not even the cinema, I like the like room the I was watching. <laughs> I, was like, oh, I love that section. I, it makes narrative sense. The bomb disposal scene, phenomenal. Just that that edge of my seat. Not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> but, no. I mean, it, it just brings back memory, which is it's ironic that we're recording this on, you know, kind of a bank holiday because yep. <laughs> it's, it's the overriding memory is me sitting down to watch a Bond film. And for some reason, nine times out of ten, it was always Octopussy. And, uh, yeah, I just love it. I love the buzzsaw weapon that one of his henchmen uses. I love the deadpan way he says to his, uh, his henchman when they're flying the plane and he's on the outside, go out and get him. And I just love it. I just love it. I thought it was funny how the plane comes out of the horse's butt. The little plane. I thought that was actually kind of cool, <laughs> though. Yeah. That just uh, the wings come down, and he pulls up to a gas tank later to get gas. That was kind of yeah. funny. I think the Tarzan yell though. The Tarzan oh. yell in this one. <laughs> okay, I mean, I can't defend that, but it's two seconds long. Yeah. The mine. knife in the heart, though, for this movie, to me, was when, you know, Money Penny's getting older and that little interaction with him where he just gives her one flower and he turns around and gives her assistant the whole bunch. I was like, ah, that kind mm. of hurt a little bit. Yep. Yep. I can see why. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think DK just has a crush on Maud Adams, personally. That's what I'm going <laughs> to have to assume. <laughs> I actually don't. I, I'm not attracted to her in any way, shape, or form. I just think, you know, I mean, you'll know. It'll come up. But, yeah. Yeah, I just think the film's the film's good fun. I was, um, I've just been kind of scrolling through the book. Like, I have, I did mention to you guys, I've got the Bond Encyclopedia and the Essential Bond here to scroll through for, like, inspiration as we're looking through this. And I should have mentioned before we started that I am not the Michael Wilson who produces the Bond films, by the way. It is just, <laughs> it is just a huge coincidence. Because I see that name all the time when I'm flipping through these books. And I'm like, I'm so glad he calls himself Michael G. Wilson so that I'm like, mine's a K, the middle name, all right? So not people out there think, oh, he's just had enough of producing these films. He's just <laughs> gone incredibly disparaging on the lot. <laughs> Yeah, I've had enough of the Hollywood life and decided to start yeah. a podcast. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's such one of those weird coincidences that I'm like a huge James Bond fan and have the same name as one of the key producers. But uh, yeah, if any uh, women out there called Barbara Broccoli want to befriend me and start a new franchise, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> 
new, new franchise <laughs> of um, of uh, parody Bond films. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just, I'm just bringing it up, seeing as we're talking about uh, this kind of thing. But have any of you seen Operation Kid Brother? No, I have not. No. It's uh, an Italian ripoff of the Bond movies, and it stars uh, Sean Connery's brother, Neil. <laughs> okay. And a lot of the cast are uh, from the Bond movies are in it, such as M, Money Penny, and they're actually, you know, played by the same actors. Uh, the one that plays, I believe, Largo from Thunderball, he's the villain, and they do kind of make it kind of semi-canon by referring to the the agent in there as the actual brother of bond it's a very weird thing that is i saw money penny and m show up in a lot of extraneous bond things Mm. around the 60s and 70s i i wanted to look more into that yeah Yeah, i mean um neil connery daniela bianchi from uh from russia with love lois maxwell uh adolfo selly bernard lee Anthony Dawson. Oh, wow. He's got a lot from the Bond movies, and uh, yeah, if you can check it, I, I particularly recommend the MST3K version. But it is oh, pretty. Of course pretty you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put the GIF in for you. I am. I'm going to have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Over to you, Joel. <laughs> Awesome. Oh well. So we're up to my number nine. So my number nine Bond film is Skyfall. Uh, again, people might be shocked that it's not higher. I think it's very good. Don't get me wrong. I like all the things that people like about it. I like the kind of serious take. I like the relationship between Bond and M, and I like the delving into Bond's past. But, and I, I know this is well-worn territory, but yes, the last act of the film is just Home Alone. And once you hear that, you can't unsee it. And it's just, <laughs> it's so silly and so unimaginative. And I think it was UDK that kind of put into words as well the sheer Rube Goldberg convenience of Silver's plot, where it's like, if one thing goes slightly wrong, his entire plot is scuppered, but everything yeah. goes perfectly, even though it's kind of, you know, it's like it's like the game Mousetrap. He set up all of these things <laughs> that have to go exactly right. So that's why I couldn't place it higher. But yeah, I think it is a fantastic performance by Daniel Craig. Great song, as, as most of these Bond films have. Fantastic action in that one. Love the, uh, you know, the Aston Martin being seen again. Um yeah, not really much else to say. It's popular for a reason. I love the, uh, the it's hard to describe, but the kind of the building, the building tense shootout thing when they're both in opposite skyscrapers. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I love the action sequence as well. And uh, Bond fans will know. <laughs> anyway, the, the 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 Bond songs really are fantastic. There's only one Bond song I don't like, and that's Die Another Day. Um, yeah, no, the, the man with the golden gun is terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry. I kind of like that one, ironically. I find it funky. He has a powerful weapon. <laughs> I, I know I know it is cheesy, but you, I'd much rather listen to that than the auto-tuned mess that was Die Another Day. Die Another Day is bad. I still put it slightly over for your eyes only. I just think it's so Oh, no, I love that one. Stupid. No. No, I, I don't mind. At the era where they just went way over serious and they just got like female singers that nowadays nobody's ever heard of because they were like barely one hit wonders. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Rita Coolidge and the Sheena Easton of the world. Well, I mean, they're still kind of doing it these days with regards to, you know, Michael G. Wilson and Barbara mm. Buckley. It's not that they think, oh, this person 
is a great seller. It's just who they particularly like or who they think's in at the time, which is fine. But yeah. some of these stars aren't aging particularly well. I mean, you can't not Adele, obviously, for Skyfall. But uh, when you look back at things like Tomorrow, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, the yeah. Katie What's Lam wrong with Cheryl Crow? No, the Katie Lambert theme was much Oh, no, it's... No, it's not. I'm not having that. That's, that's what it everybody is. says, and it's absolutely not. I'm it's sorry, but no. bang on. <laughs> no, it's not better. I love Cheryl Crow's song, and I will die on that hill. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad song, but I love David it. Arnold I love tied, it. tied it in much better with Surrender, and I, I will I will die on this hill. Ah, oh, well, we're going to clash then. <laughs> See, this is I the thing. Understand. Strong opinions. <laughs> we're gonna be killing each other quite clearly <laughs> go ahead so um number eight then and we'll start with you jamie get talking <laughs> all right uh number eight casino royale now i just want to um i've mentioned this at the start uh the craig films are the ones i remember the least so i'm just, just sort of going off of distant memories of which ones i remember liking so i won't have many specifics with this but i do remember really enjoying casino royale i'm not massive on the overly gritty and dark um take of the craig eras because it kind of lacks the the spark and the fun of you know bond like it kind of loses bond's identity but i think casino royale and skyfall get away with it because you know you know just i don't know why i just i just i don't mind it there as much but casino royale i, I just you know i think it's an interesting like you know as a soft reboot of bond i think that's um yeah i think the way they approached it was in was interesting uh the casino stuff itself i remember loving just because I don't know why I like casino settings. Uh, I'll never go there, but I, I like casino settings. And uh, the villain, I remember being really, really great. Oh, and the the best gun barrel in um, in Bond. Fair enough. Remind me the gun barrel scene. It, it's the only one to actually tie oh, yeah, in yeah, to the yeah, story. Yeah. That's right. It was black and white. I remember. Uh, we'll move on then to you, Sandra, for your number eight film, please. My number eight was You Only Live Twice. Okay. I thought it was interesting. Roald Dahl was one of the people that mm. wrote that screenplay. Um, I liked the exciting opening with the spaceship swallowing another spaceship and um, just that whole underground lair scene. Um, I mm. like the underground lair. Again, this was just like a lot of quintessential Bond things in it. Um, I liked when uh, the, the, in the beginning, him faking his death, I thought that was really cool, even though he, you know, doesn't really take advantage of that for very long before he's out and about. But, um, you know, uh, after he dies in the height of bed and he's uh, delivered to the sub and he says they open up the, the body bag with him inside and he's like, request permission to come aboard, sir. I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there were some really neat uh, angles that were new to the Bond franchise before. Uh, like um, when they were running on top of the building, there was an aerial view of that chasing and pulling in tighter, they pulled out. And I thought that that's was beautiful. Yeah. That's, to me, that's the best shot in the entire franchise. And then um, seeing Blowfield for the first time, but that poor cat, did you see when all the pyrotechnics were going off, that cat was biting the actor and struggling so hard to get away. I felt Look so what you terrible. did to Mr. Bigglesworth. 
He was <laughs> terrified. Um, but yeah, that's why I liked um, You Only Live Twice. Just like, you know, some of the new angles and, and just some of the cheekiness. Um, nobody's mentioned, I'm, I'm, correct me if I'm getting this wrong, but isn't that the one with Little Nelly in it as well? The cool little build-it-yourself No, that's Thunderball. Oh, is it? Okay, my bad. So hang on. So which is the one with the jetpack? <laughs> Thunderball. That's Thunderball. Yeah, that was Thunderball. That's both of them in? Okay, my bad. <laughs> I'm technically die another day as well, but yeah. Yeah, we don't talk about it. That's like a <laughs> little reference. It's the Bruno of Bond films currently. <laughs> Like I'm, I've literally watched these a couple of weeks ago, and I could have sworn that You Only Live Twice was the one that had the uh, little Nelly in it. But there you go. That's uh, goes to show. I've clearly been watching. Oh, you might actually be right. Hang on a second. You might actually I'm, be I'm right. Looking, I'm looking through my book now because I need to know if I... <laughs> I was looking I at myself, but my phone suddenly packed in. The jetpack is definitely Thunderbolt. I'm not sure about the other one, though. Yeah, it is You Only Live Twice. Like I said, Q equips him in the field, and he has all the pieces that equip together and form a little helicopter thing. I'm, huh. I have the picture of it in front of me. And I think it's on one of the posters as well. See, you all made me doubt myself. You gaslit me. <laughs> I, I didn't say anything. I, was, I just mentioned that. I, I just talked about it. I knew that was, that was incorrect. But yeah, I know that, uh, I know that you, you clearly do like that, Sandra. That's one of the reasons you like this film, isn't it? Just say yes. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I knew I knew my bond. I can't believe I let you all fool me. Anyway, so that was your number eight. Was that right? Yeah. Um, three points for that one. TK, uh, what was your number eight? Uh, mine is Skyfall. Oh, Skyfall gets three points from you. Uh, so, what would you say about Skyfall? Then, what did you like and dislike? Or is it going to be very similar to what I it's, just? It's, it's pretty. I mean, it's an entertaining film. I mean, the scenes in Macau, I just think, are absolutely stunning. But uh, it, it does. One of my friends pointed out that it's the the film where Bond pretty much fails at everything. And <laughs> yeah, it's it's entertaining enough, but you really do have to not look at the plot very, very much in order for it to make any kind of impression. But yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's good fun. It has some nice callbacks and nice Easter eggs. And I think after, uh, after the poor face, you know, that was quantum of solace, it was nice to see them reintroduce a bit of humor into it. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. Wasn't that when they reintroduced Q? I mean, I know he only equips him like a fountain pen or something, but at least it was nice to have the character back after the first uh, two Bonds. It was, and it also had the scene where he's, you know, he's running to grab onto the back of the tube, and he has the the bystander saying, "Well, he's in a hurry to get home." <laughs> and he yeah. get, delivers the the "Please return these things to us" line from the yeah. earlier Q. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And uh, I remember during the, I think it's the pre-credits scene, I think, I'm pretty sure it is, yeah, when he's like jumping from train to train and then stops to like adjust his cuffs. That's <laughs> a full-on little Roger Moore touch that I was like, yeah, yeah I like yeah. that. Every, every Bond has those moments, like you know, straightening the tie or something. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Or back in the day, throwing the hat on the hat rack, exactly. Oh, uh, I, I love know. that recurring guy. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think I probably stole most of your thoughts on Skyfall, DK, so apologies. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. But uh, yeah, anything else before I move to to my number eight? No, that's pretty much everything. That's fair enough. Well, my number eight then is the very first Bond film is Doctor No, um, mm. because 
again, I watched it very recently again, and I was surprised how well it held up. And unless I'm mistaken, I think Sandra was of similar kind of mind when you watched it. In yeah, it's actually my seven. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> we'll get to that very soon then. But um, yeah, so like re-watching them, I remember there was an awful lot of dated attitudes and things, especially in the Connery era. And Dr. No was one of the ones that I thought was better for that. Like, I I'm the, I'd, I'd say it's the, it's the Connery film which has aged the best. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, it is the one where it seems the most respectful. Um, it's, you know, it's the first one, so it started everything. It's it's began everything, Bond, the theme, the gun barrel, the missions, the supporting cast, you know, the Bond girls. I do think um, Ursula Andress is great as Honey Rider, even though some of the overdubbing, particularly with the singing and things, is kind of silly and not particularly convincing. Um, but again, you know, the shot of her coming out of the sea in the bikini is so iconic that they tried to rip it off with both Halle Berry and Daniel Gregg um, and failed twice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just, I, I like the plot of it. it. For some reason, I just, I, I, I'm immediately hooked and on board with the globe trotting of it and the chasing around. And yeah, uh, even the villain's plot again, like I said, with um, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, it doesn't seem quite as ludicrous as like, I'm going to destroy the world and create a master race in space. <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah, so <laughs> for that reason, yeah, but um, as I said, oh, and I love Quarrel as a character. I was good yes. when they killed him off. <laughs> we stand Quarrel. Yes, Quarrel was great, and it was nice uh, when Quarrel Jr. showed up down the line as well in the later movie. But um, yeah, the, the, the second cool. best Bond character with a Q in their name. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, there's not many, but okay. So, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I would place higher, but like I said, unfortunately, I do think slight pacing issues um, have, have dated it a bit more. And yeah, again, I think it's a lot of the, the same situation with you, Jamie. When we get to this point, there's not really a lot of flaws I could pick up on. I just like the other ones better that are higher. So yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Any other thoughts on that for anyone? <laughs> not yet? Well. Uh, so... We are going to go to your number sevens then, and we may as well start with you, Sandra, because we know what it is. <laughs> yeah, Dr. No. And I liked it. Like you said, it, it kicked off the entire franchise. His very first words were Bond, James Bond. So it just set the tone for everything with his cheekiness. I actually thought it had good pacing. I thought there's some really tense moments. Um, and then just some very silly moments like the conveyor belt showers, like every shower they went through their mm. radio, their Geiger counter went down just a little bit. I thought that yeah, was ridiculously that was funny. Um, and it's just the start of the whole underground lair. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just like that a lot. Yeah. I have to, I have to do this. Sorry. I admire your luck, Mr. Bond. There we go. And with that music kicking in. And I also thought it was funny, like all of the stations down in the underground lair were color coded and clearly <laughs> labeled so you could tell what each one did. If only if only all evil lairs did that. So your Dr. No got um three points from me, four points from you. So that's pretty good for Dr. No. Uh Jamie, we'll come to you next and ask for your number what was it? Seven. <laughs> well, um keep, keeping with Connery, I've got you only live twice. Another one that's on seven points currently. So, yeah, why uh, why you only live twice? I've explained my reasoning for honourable mention and not any higher, but go for it. 
I it's fun. It's such a fun. I, I don't want to say romp because that makes it sound like it's like really silly. Like I mean, yeah, it has you know silly moments to it, but you know, I don't mind silliness in Bond. I I enjoy it. Bond's always been a an inherently campy franchise and i just think people i just want people to lighten up a bit more and just have fun that's why i like yeah. bond over like just generic action films this one has the humor and i like it but either way um you know the time i just think it's a really fun film throughout um one the reason i rate it so high though is probably lewis gilbert's direction just mm. I mean, we've mentioned it before but lewis gilbert is by far my favorite bond director and just the location work the shots in this movie it's all glorious yeah um yeah a lot of the the bond films i will say have um, effects by derek meddings as well who absolute legend everything from thunderbirds to superman he did like model work and stuff for and he does a lot of the uh in possibly you want to i wouldn't know for sure but a lot of the kind of last act action scenes are model work that was done by him so shout out to that guy um yeah this one is uh, great it's got it's got, i love the the volcano um action fight at the very end like i really yeah. like the characters in this film uh, well, well, okay not not kissy she's she's there but um you know what? um <laughs> oh my but, god Tanaka, I think he's a really fun character and Aki i wish she was the bond the bond girl throughout the yeah. whole the whole film i mean it was a well done death scene, I will admit, but I didn't like how she was just replaced by Kizzy just at the end. It's like she, she was far inferior to, to Aki. Aki was way I'm kind of with you on that one. I kind of see where you're coming from, even though DK is now going to kill us both on that hill. Kill us <laughs> Yeah. No, there's a lot to like in You Only Live Twice, and it's a really good story, but without emphasizing it too much, I feel like we just have to say this. It's not all right to be like, you can disguise yourself. This guy's just even look Asian. That definitely yeah. shows the dating of it. Although they didn't take it as far as they could have. No, it didn't go to full breakfast at Tiffany's, thankfully. The volcano no. scenes did definitely show the limits of of special effects at that time. Well, it was 1967 in Venice. I yeah. Think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it looks good for most of it. You know, Japanese location work is gorgeous. Yeah. I just remember also being confused about the whole Bond girls thing because, like I said, it just it felt to me like they were building up Aki really well, and then out of nowhere she gets swapped in for Kissy, who I kind of agree with you. She has very little character because there's not nothing to do, and it's just kind of like I'm here, I kick ass, okay, thumbs over. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> neither here nor there. So DK, uh, if you're still speaking to us, what was your number seven? Harumph. <laughs> uh, number seven is on a magic secret service. Oh, so that's four more points for Ormses. <laughs> so go ahead. Why do you uh, why do you rank that one then? It's it is definitely more of a ground uh, a grounded story. When I was like a lot of people, actually, I instantly wrote it off because I didn't think it was a proper bond because it was neither Connery or Moore. It wasn't until later that I actually sat down and watched it. I've got such an appreciation for uh, for Lazenby now, mm. but. I, I believe he actually, they did offer him Diamonds Are Forever, but he turned it down. Uh, I think so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I, I think it's a, it's a shame because I think if he'd have done another one, maybe people wouldn't write him off so much. I actually, my parents sat down and watched every single Bond movie a couple of months ago, and my dad was very reluctant to watch this one. That's a shame. Because he thought, you know, it was George Lazenby. He was an absolute failure as Bond. And I said, no, sit, oh, you know, just watch yeah. it. And he came away, a convert. He uh, he actually said, yeah, that were a really good film. But regardless of the, you know, I mean, we've gone into the plot and stuff like that. When you look at it, 
the the music on that film is absolutely stunning. I mean, you've got Louis Armstrong doing the the Bond song, and it's not even the main song. It's an absolute banger by John Barry on the opening credits, and I just think it's it's all round. It's just a really underrated movie. Yeah, I will say since it's up on screen as well that they could not have mismarketed this film anymore if they'd tried, making it look like a 60s surfer movie when there's no yeah. hint of that anywhere. Yeah. In I've seen people say, oh, this would be an absolute like banger number one or two movie if Sean Connery was Bond in it. I don't think it would be as good. No. I don't think his Bond fits in this. I think his Bond has way harder of an edge, and I'd have more trouble believing his version as the kind of romantic hero that Lazenby was able to convince me of. So... Yeah, <laughs> I think Lazenby did fantastic in this one. Yeah, absolutely. I think, as I, said. I think again, it, it does him a disservice for people to write it off and say he could easily have been replaced by Connery, and I don't think that would that would have been possible. I do think it's unfortunate that he spends a lot of time doing that, like I said, annoying imitation of a different character type thing, which is dubbed over as well. Because, um, yeah, don't do not do that. <laughs> let him actually shine and be Bond. And if he's going to go undercover, let him do some acting or something, but don't make it a, a mess, frankly. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was your number seven. My number seven is Tomorrow Never Dies. I kind of I, I I know this film gets a lot of flack, and I think it was Jamie actually that brought it up the other day and said he didn't quite understand why. And I'm with you. And maybe it's because yeah. again we were just of a certain age. Like obviously I'm much younger than you, so I remember it, you know, fresh when it first came out. And uh, I didn't see it at the cinema. I've seen everyone from the world is not enough onwards, but I saw that on home video and just thought this film is amazing. Like um, from start to finish, I love that it has this kind of there's never been a more relevant plot to me than the idea that the supervillain is basically like Rupert Murdoch or Robert Maxwell or something, because yeah. It's only become more relevant in recent years. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Really well. I think it's brilliant. I will say as well, I know I've said this a lot, but one of my favorite um, pre-credits Bond sequences, and I have to preface that with. We evacuated the area. Ask the Admiral where he'd like the bombs delivered. Yeah, take that dude from as time goes by <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i love that sequence i love it because uh, it's just it's full action packed and it's one of those traditional like it's got nothing to do with the plot but it's bond being bond and it's cool i love that um you know michelle yo kicks ass in it and oh, again yeah. talk about just becoming more and more relevant a bond film with michelle yo can you imagine if that happened now People yeah go... I, I mean i watched this film before checking out everything ever all at once um mm. so it's like yeah, when I saw her credits, it's like, oh, everyone's been talking about her. I didn't know she was in this movie. And then that, that basically, this plus um, the the Oscar win, it spurred me on to finally get around to watching the film. Yeah, oh, I mean, she's great in everything. I would I would recommend basically everything she's ever done. <laughs> but yeah, I think the scenes in Vietnam on the motorbike, especially the kind of the incredibly, what looks like a dangerous jump over a helicopter, even though the blades are actually CGI. Genius, by the way. Actual good use of CGI. Um, you've mentioned it again in our Discord, but the remote control BMW, everything from we thought you'd respond to a female voice to the kind of ending its remote controlled little rampage by just ramming it through the window of the car hire shop. It's just brilliant. I love Terry Hatcher. I always have. So I think her is the glam kind of admittedly tragic bond girl is cool i love the scene so much with vincent chiavelli where he's just like oh i'm just a man doing his job and bond's responsive so am i and he just kills him 
I could honestly rave about this film for hours. And uh, yeah, I'd probably, again, be on an island on my own doing it, but I just love Tomorrow Never Dies. And I will stop talking about it now because people are probably rolling their eyes. So, <laughs> so um, we are now up to everybody's number six. I'm going to have to get moving quicker. So what is your number six? Uh, Sandy, welcome to you. <laughs> My number six was um, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, oh, okay. and we've discussed that one a lot already. Um, I just really, I thought this Blowfield was more sinister, but I also thought for Lazenby, even though I mentioned I didn't like how the action sequences were filmed, I thought he had a lot more energy. Um, and it was a little bit more believable that he was pulling off these stunts as Bond. Um, mm -hmm. But mostly the cinematography is what captured me in this one. And then I, I did read that it followed the book more closely than any other Bond film uh, previously or even uh, some of the subsequent films. So it was more yeah. to the nature of, of what in Fleming imagined Bond to be. But but mostly the clincher for me in this one is is the cinematography. Awesome. Awesome. That's fair enough. Well, we've kind of talked about that and you've even mentioned when other people were picking it, why you kind of like it and uh, the things that you like and dislike. So that's fair enough. Um, so yeah, you've uh, made a good choice there, we would say. So what about you then, Jamie? What is your number, let's see, six? six. Are we? Yeah, six. <laughs> My number Are six we? is From Russia with Love, which I know you don't like, Mike, so sorry. Yeah, I, I know it's really popular. I just found it dull. I'm sorry. <laughs> To be fair, so did I for for a time. I rewatched it, but I and enjoyed it a lot more. Like I don't know, I guess I was just more engaged with the plot on the rewatch and just found it a lot more interesting. Although I do agree with your comment about the the not not the editing, but just some of the the music choices being a bit weird. I do agree yeah. with that. Like the um, it's a bit where like Bond's exploring his room, which you know, great scene, you know, great, very Fleming esque, re really well done. Then you've just got the Bond theme blaring out in the background for no reason. It's like, you know, yeah. you know he's just he's just walking to the other side of the room, and all you can hear is da -da -ba -da -ba -da -da. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so over dramatic. I love it. Oh, I don't love it. It's, it's it's not very good, but you know, it's I funny. like the car phone in this one. Oh yeah. Yeah. But yeah, also, yeah, I do really enjoy this this film. Like the train sequences, especially, I think they're absolutely the highlight. Robert Shaw, fantastic. Yeah, Robert Shaw definitely. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Robert Shaw was fantastic in this film. I basically enjoy every part, except uh, what was her name? Except for Tanya. Don't like Tanya. I think she's really irritating. I didn't like any. I didn't like the villains. I didn't like the henchwoman villains. I didn't like all of that stuff at what they called the gypsy camp and stuff. And the scenes in that were just ridiculous and convoluted, I found as well. And then, like I, I mean, said, the, the strongest scenes were the train scenes with Robert Shaw. And even that, I think, went on too long and too kind of slow and ponderous. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's basically my the, the clip right. thing. Like, yeah, we, yeah. We, do, we do kind of need to speed it up. So I just thought, just. No worries, that's fine with me. So, um, what are we up to? DK, what is your number six? Uh, my number six is Goldeneye. Goldeneye, ooh, so why number six then? Uh, it's strange, for a time, if anybody had asked me if I like Goldeneye, I would have said no. But for some reason, every single time it's on TV, I absolutely love it. It was the first Bond that I saw at the cinema. And at this point, you know, Bond had been out of the public eye for about a decade. 
Mm. So when I, uh, I, I think I saw a trailer, a teaser trailer for when I went to see Batman Returns, and the te- I was more excited about the teaser trailer for this than I was about Batman Returns. <laughs> oh, that's that's a, a, a like. Not Batman Returns, yeah. Batman Forever. Oh, that, you're still pissing me off. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. And uh, yeah, but I just I remember I, the um, I don't know if it was that teaser, but I remember there was one teaser poster and a trailer campaign where literally all it was was it just came up and said, "You know the name, you know the number," and then flashed the 007, and I was like, "Oh, viral no, marketing this, in 1994." <laughs> this one had the parody uh, music on uh, okay. the, the Bond theme. And it and it right. just it literally just blew me away. I just uh, I I could not wait to see this, and it didn't disappoint. I mean, it was still as daft as the Roger Moore ones in places, but yeah. he seemed to walk Brosnan to me seemed to walk uh, a fine line between serious and the more absurd aspects of the franchise, and I did like that about his portrayal. And this kind of set the tone going forward for his era until he got to die another day and just threw it all into a clown show. But yeah, I just. Uh, I mean, you know, Sean Bean doing a posh accent, but you know, it's Sean Bean, so he dies, obviously. And yeah, that I was just... a posh accent. <laughs> hey, mate, I'm from where Sean Bean is. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, for England I... germs. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, I just I think it's. It's 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 never dull. I love the tank chase through St. Petersburg. I just yeah, yeah. yeah it's awesome. Going back to what to, I think it was Jamie earlier where he mentioned the straightening of the tie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll leave it there, but I will say because we're probably contractually obligated. Yes, we've all played the game, it's fantastic. Uh, it's not aged particularly well. But if you get a few friends around, get a bit of yeah. I mean multiplayer was only the only always the only reason to play it. The single yeah. player mode was always terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get the get to some look on multiplayer, get some friends around, have a few drinks and play slappers only. And you will be <laughs> pissing you if they still got that mode in this version. And I just recently right. found out I had the game. Wow. Okay. I thought it was a movie. I thought I had the movie and I never popped it in and just real I realized recently that I have the game, but yeah, I haven't played it yet. <laughs> also, someone pointed this out about the game, but it also applies for the poster you used. If it looks like a really it, instead of the hand, if you see it as like Brosnan having having his mouth be extended to the right, you, you can't unsee it. <laughs> oh god, yeah. <laughs> So oh, out to yeah. me, I cannot unsee it. I, and I want to, I want to dump it on you guys now because it'll, yeah, it'll make uh, me happy. I've seen the meme where someone illustrates it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now I'm gonna have, have to, to forget that. I'm gonna have to edit that in, so one of you guys have to send that to me so that I've got it handy. <laughs> Don't right, I'll, 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 I'll do that right now. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, I'm gonna move quickly onto my number six. Then my number six uh, is No Time to Die. Uh, I just, I really liked it. I know that there were people who have real issues with it, particularly the ending. I love how bold that ending was. I love that they went there. I think it was the perfect end for this incarnation of Bond, for Daniel Craig's version. Um, But it's not the only reason that I love the film. I think it's a really good, well-made film. I liked um, Lashana Lynch. I think she's fantastic in it. I like that they kept... Uh, Bond's kind of, you know, love interest or, I guess, wife almost from the previous movie. Uh, I think she's a great actress, and I think that was a great character to carry on with. I kind of like that they 
threw all caution to the wind with like this is the end so let's just we'll do everything we'll kill off felix we'll get rid of specter we'll and then ultimately kill james Wan. but um i think what sells it for me as well in part is the references back to on her majesty's secret service because it tugs at all the right heartstrings um the only slight criticism the only reason i didn't necessarily place it any higher up is that i think they kind of waste anna de Armas, and i don't know Beyond the kind of marketing reasons, I don't get why her character's in the movie. I'd have loved to see more of her, and I think she's great in it, but it just feels like she's there because they wanted a sexy woman in a dress to stick on the poster. Um, and that's it seems like the most egregious time I've ever kind of experienced that. Um, but yeah, I can't really say much else other than I loved all of the, the scene at the start with the kind of the car windows being gradually shattered. Um I love the references back to, as I said, all of the previous Daniel Craig movies, right back to Vesper, and yeah, lots of really good action, great characters. I can't Nothing say I didn't me. like it. I, I had a good time watching it. I was entertained, but for the life of me, I really can't remember much about the movie itself. Oh, see, I can. <laughs> that's the thing. That's that's how I know I enjoyed it, because there are Bond films where I'm like, is that the one where and No Time to Die? Perhaps because it's so long, so there probably are parts I'm not remembering. But I can, like I said, I remember the opening in the car when Bond is like not trusting his missus and they're kind of getting shot up at the car and everything. I remember him visiting Vesper's grave and that's where there was a bomb. The kind of the killing of everyone, you know, from Spectre. I remember the scene with Felix where he's ultimately killed on the boat and um, the big action scene at the end in the guy's lair and the threatening of Bond's kid and everything. Yeah, this um, I remember we talked about this earlier. Did what was the villain's motivation? What was his? Because it was basically that. That's one of the things. Like I think part of the reason I also enjoy this is because we had to wait so long for it to be released because it had a release date. Then COVID happened, and it was like two or three years later. And the villain's motivation is basically cause COVID. Yeah. <laughs> it is like I'm going to unleash a virus that will cripple the world and the economy, and will be super contagious and everything. Like the film, it was too soon. Oh damn! Yeah. If they'd have released it beforehand, just think of the marketing that shit would have got. But that's the thing. I think that's why it had to be held back because they were like, oh, shit, not only is it like cinemas and stuff aren't open, but even when they were starting to, it's like, this is way too soon. A lot of things in the air about things like that. that that's, that's just our current fear, isn't it, is chemical warfare and viruses and stuff. So, although saying that, that was effectively kind of what they were going with on, on Her Majesty's Secret Service yeah. back in the day. So, yeah, anyway. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's another kind of reference back. You never know. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that was my number six. So we're going with everybody's number fives. Um, Sandy, what is your number five movie? Uh, going back to Sean Connery again, I liked Thunderball because okay. this is Enough. where he, I feel like he kind of really hit his stride as Bond. There was a lot of things we were expecting and they delivered, but they still kept it really new and fresh i thought it was really cool uh one scene that particularly stuck out to me was um how he was listening to the recording in his room to trace the steps of someone that was hiding in there uh if you remember that so i just thought that was really neat and then it just had a lot of the classic bond things the sharks um yeah it's always cool when John does jet pack. Slide. yeah <laughs> yes the jetpack the much uh much mentioned and I this do is recognize where I really... a lot of uh, nice underwater scenes, but I think oh, yes. it doesn't help with the pacing to some extent. Yeah, That's it's beautiful. But exactly it... what I was going to say. That's just yeah, it kind of sends me to sleep after a while. Yep. 
I thought yeah. that was yeah. really neat. Yeah, landing the plane underwater. But this is also where I first noticed, and I think he was starting to do it before, but, you know, where he just does something incredible scales of building or whatever. And, and then he just comes up, just, you know, straightens out his cufflinks and, and moves into the next, you know, being suave and debonair again. It was the only one they remade, although it wasn't not officially. <sighs> yeah. Let's not get into that mess. But, uh... never, never seen it. Never will. Yeah, never watch it again. Anyway, yeah, never seen ever again was the unofficial Sean Connery one because it's a whole mess. Just I, if you get a chance, to look it up. It is kind of interesting because the co-writer of the Thunderball novel started claiming that he had the rights to certain things like Spectre and Blofeld and such, and they gave him the he won in court the right to make a movie, but only based on Thunderball. So yeah. he remade Thunderball as Never Say Never Again, and he was allowed to use. James Bond and the characters, but not any of the kind of like iconography. So there's no gun barrel and no like um, you know James Bond theme or any of that stuff. And, and it the is other guy couldn't use Thunderball for like ten years. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. remember I did deep dive deep into that, and that may be why I'm getting confused here. They were yeah. in talks. He was going to remake it again with Timothy Dalton. Mm. I mean, they only got the rights back to Spectre, as you said, after Quantum of Solace, because they were going to use. What were they called? Solace, isn't it? Was what they Quantum, sorry. Uh, they were going to use Quantum and then just by the by Skyfall and Spectre were like, oh, we folded it in. Quantum is part of Spectre because they got the rights back. But yeah, what a mess. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I, I, I did like the video game sequence because, you know, gamer in Never Say Never Again. But that soundtrack, it was just like, it was like an episode of Jazz Club in the Fast Show. <laughs> Welcome to Jazz Club. Great. You, you can just imagine him turning to the camera going, nice. Well, they're just pulling out this butter pap. Now I'm going to have to find that gif as well. <laughs> Great. Moving on, DK, what is your number five then for six points? Uh, my number five is Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Six more points for that one. Uh, yeah, so what do you like about Goldfinger other than the There's scene? There's nothing where I can add to what every, anybody said other, other than, you know, it just set the standard for uh, the Bond movies going forward. That's fair enough. Yeah, I mean, um, I can't disagree with you. And uh, yeah, we'll see if anybody else has it on their list, hint, hint. Uh, my number five then is going to be Live and Let Die. I adore this movie. It's the start of my favourite Bond, as I've said, Roger Moore. And while I recognize there are, again, incredibly problematic, very racist elements, um, I also yeah. think there's, you know, there's some attempt at being respectful. And I think I kind of like, without wanting to sound offensive, the way that they use some of these things, like the, the you know, the voodoo hints and whatnot. And I, I love the scene of um, the very end of the movie with the guys like cackling face on the train, because it was the first time that I was like, did Bond really win? Is there a supernatural element? This is just... It's it's raising so many more questions than it answers. Yeah, I, that, that was that was weird. It was badass though, and I think um, Jane Seymour I think is great as Solitaire. Uh, don't love the kind of incredibly sexist. She has powers because she's a virgin, and then Bond deflowers her, and her powers are gone. And yeah, that's <laughs> Roger Moore rolls up. Not for long. Deck of <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, exactly. But um, I do. I think the action is fantastic, and I love the kind of you know the Bond crocodile type scene, and I love the sets and the you know the travel around the world, the exotic locations and stuff. And I think it's yeah, it, it was it was the Moore era off to a really good start for me. Just very watchable, really captivating. And uh, if you can see past some of the racism, I will say that um, the villain Yafit Koto is fantastic. I think he's probably 
maybe my favorite Bond villain because he plays it really well and he's a really good actor. Um, as we know from Alien, I'm pretty sure that's the same guy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, even even blowing up the guy. And then well, he always did have an inflated opinion of himself. Exactly, just the kind of immediately starting those Arnold Schwarzenegger-style puns is just uh, glorious. But uh, yeah, so enough said about that then. So number five, Tomorrow Never Dies. I've mentioned it before. It, the fact that this has a 2.9 rating on Letterboxd is embarrassing. Like At least all the other ones, I can understand somewhat, even if I disagree. This film, like, what? why would people dislike it? What is actually wrong with this movie? I mean, you, you know that you're preaching to the converted with me because I gave you a detailed rundown of why I love it. So anyway, I, I adore this movie. I think it's absolutely fantastic. You know, it's just um, the plot is interesting, unique and really relevant, as we already established. Uh, the two the two main girls, Michelle Yeoh kicks ass. Terry Hatcher. I mean, I'm a Coraline fan. So, you know, naturally I was going to like Terry Hatcher being in this movie. Uh, Personally, I was more of a Lewis and Clark fan. So, Dave, best not Dave, go there because that's dated terribly. Given the uh, the lead actor in that, Lois and Schmuck. Yeah. <laughs> to quote um, Calvin Dyson, I just want to inject the David Arnold score directly into my veins. Yes, it's so good. It's it so really it's is. so good, and you know, Elliot Carr was fantastic. The pacing is great. The action is superb, especially the the multi story car park, the BMW. I've, yeah. I've banged on about that enough. We've we talked about it before, but it is it is glorious. Um, yeah, this is just. I only have one James Bond soundtrack on my player at all times, and it's always been "Tomorrow Never Dies." Yeah, no. valid. Awesome, awesome. I will say as well, incredibly geeky reference. It's one of only three times that Bond has worn his full naval commander's uniform. So, <laughs> so there you go. You can check that because I know it happens to be true. Um, but yeah, okay. Well, as I said, I've given all my reasons why I love Tomorrow Never Dies. So we are on the same page there. So we will go around to the number fours. Uh, so yeah, Sandra, what was your number four film? <laughs> my number four was Skyfall because I... Love Javier Bardem as a villain. I was sufficiently scared of him. I liked um, um, M's and James Bond relationship in this movie, how it became a little bit more intimate just in that, um, you know, they both had a fall from grace and they were both kind of climbing back out of it. And um, how she put all her faith in him, even though he was like failing all those tests and really shouldn't have been reinstated. You know, she brought him back. Um, and this is just where I think also we see Casino Royale's um, just the burden of that is, is written all over his face. You know, he doesn't look well and, and everything was just very real to me. That's just why I liked it. Besides all of the action sequences, I, thought were really well filmed it was intense good pacing great cinematography beautifully shot scenes so that's high up on my list awesome i like the um m and bond relationship because as i said with for somebody a character that's kind of been progressively less so but started out very sexist it was nice to have that kind of maternal non-sexual relationship actually mm -hmm. developed yeah. somewhere um, and I thought it was really cool. <laughs> As a side note, just a random story. Um, this was it was uh, the character of M that got me called out by my media studies teacher when I was in middle school as being a Bond nerd because we were doing a, 
I forget why, but we were doing like feminism or something about that, the changing role of women in movies. And I mentioned, and I was like, well, look at the James Bond movies. They've got a female M and she called James Bond a sexist, misogynist dinosaur, relic of the Cold War. And my media says she just looked at me dead on and said, not that you're a fan or anything. <laughs> I was like, what, just because I know every line? How dare you? Uh, Jamie, what is your number four film then? <laughs> Before I get to my number four, uh, I hate to be a pain, but I something's just cropped up. I'll need to go in like 10, 20 minutes. So can I request just doing my top my top four just like as right right now, just so I can yeah, um, yeah. get my input in before, before I have to go real quick? Because I don't I don't think nope. we're gonna get this done in 20 minutes. No offense. No issue. Okay, go for it. What's your number All right, four? So uh, number four, Goldeneye, I already mentioned that, but yeah, Goldeneye is fantastic. I, I'm not massive on like the first 20, 30 minutes, but I think once the film picks up and gets going, it really gets going. Like it's, it's like it's yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. I love the, the sort of the way you know it's the first um, Bond film put um, after the Cold War, and it sort of taps into that by having a more technological threat, you know, with a lot of computers and stuff. Um, the um, uh, what else? Uh, the action is superb, especially the tank scene. That is like every eleven-year-old's dream, right there. I think yeah. it's fair to say. Uh, who else? Uh, but, uh, Natalia is a really great, um, really great Bond girl, in my opinion. Uh, I love Robbie Coltrane in this movie, and um, well, it's not enough, obviously. Uh, what else? Uh, Q. Um, well, uh, wait, why am I saying Q? Well, Q's great in every film. I might as well mention that right oh, now. Yeah, he is really good, actually, because it has the really funny stuff with, um, yeah, like uh, he's, he's showing him the rocket propelled like cast on the leg and everything, yeah. and then James Bond picks up the like uh, meatball sub or whatever, and Q just goes, "Don't touch that. That's my lunch." <laughs> which I just, yep. one of my favorite few jokes it's ridiculous he wrestles great. it from him honestly i'm gonna be honest i don't mind um how do you pronounce it zenia zenia like i, like I know she's over the top and like she, she kills people by suffocating them with her thighs during sex but i kind of like it as like a reflection of bond's misogyny how good is, how good though is the line do we really need the gun that depends on your definition of safe sex <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it, I mean, Brosnan's got some killer one-liners. Like, and I think. the other one, where when I can't even, it's like she's constantly trying to kill him and, and crush him, but he gets out and he just goes, "No, no, no, no more foreplay." <laughs> just, and then when she dies, it's like, "Well, she always loved a good squeeze." <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's ridiculous, that's, but that's what we that's come right to out of the Roger Moore playbook. I love that. Exactly, yeah. I love the one-liners so much. Like, yo, know, yeah. they're, they're they're great. It's like, you know, I see my favorite, the bonds with the best one-liners are Connery, Moore, and Brosnan. Mm, easily for sure for sure uh, okay so what was your number three film then for... all right this is yeah. like a similar case to casino Royale because i haven't seen it in a while but i do remember loving it and that's skyfall like I, okay. it could go up it could go down in a rewatch not entirely sure but um you know just uh, like a brief thing i do distinctly if you haven't seen it in a while i do distinctly remember like absolutely loving it just like being thoroughly hooked throughout um think um finding it really interesting I, I, I remember being like really not emotional, but you know, really upset when when M dies. He's like, oh no, not M. And um, <laughs> you know, there's just a lot of um, I just remember distinctly drawing. I can't remember the, the specifics. I you know, absolutely need to rewatch it, but I do remember loving it, and I felt for that reason alone it should go in the in the top three. But I'd say the whole top five can really shift around, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's the same with all of us. But yeah, and Skyfall's insanely popular. And we've all kind of had it on our list. So that's fair enough. Yeah. So where's your number two, is this? Or this nine? is one that probably some people are going to disagree with. But License to Kill. 
Well, yeah, it was on my honourable mentions, so you know that I kind of like it. But yeah, I mean, number two, why would you uh, have it that high? <laughs> Let's go. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's absolutely fantastic. Like, uh, like, I mean, it's something radically different for Bond, but it still feels like Bond. Like, yeah, it's darker, but it's like an interesting new direction that I feel like it was. You know, I love, I love the 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 gritty the gritty aesthetic of it. And let me tell you, um, like the first the first half of the movie, I was like. On the, it was the most tense I've been during any any Bond film. Like I was like thoroughly on the edge of my seat the whole way through. The the um, uh, the action like fantastic throughout. I especially love the, the truck chase at the end. And I also yeah. really like um, I really like um, was it Sanchez? Is he the villain? I, I was going to say, I think, um, you know, personal politics aside, I think Robert Davi is one of the better Bond villains, actually. So, yeah, yeah, I think Sanchez is a great villain because he's not your generic bad guy. You know, he has like personal stakes with bond you know it's like this is james bond but this time it's personal and it's like it's i already i already told you i love it when it's like oh you're not gonna help me m then screw it i'm gonna <laughs> completely yep. go rogue <laughs> so yeah and i say this in my opinion um you know while stolton isn't my favorite bond he, you know, he's just fantastic i think he gave the best performance from any bond film uh, in this film like, this is the best wow. performance from a Bond actor in any Bond film. I agree. Yeah. We've, uh, that's understandable why you would place that at your number two then. And so, what would you be your number one for your full ten points then? Your best Bond film ever. The Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, you legend. <laughs> uh, okay, go for it. Why, uh, why The Spy Who Loved Me is your number one? It's basically everything I could want from a Bond film just put into... into just put into like one uh, brisk, um, like even though it's like over two hours, it is an absolute breeze to watch. It is so much fun. It is like, I mean, I always call it like, the last crusade of Bond films. I don't know why. I, I, I feel I have a lot of similarities between this and Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. I think it's just because, you know, they're both action flicks, but they're also quite humorous in tone. But, you know, Spider Love Me, it's got, you know, it's got the humor. It's got, um, you know, it's, it's got fantastic Bond girl. It's got fantastic direction. I mean, it's Lewis Gilbert, of course, it's fantastic. Especially mm -hmm. the the ending with the the submarine fight and the, well, not the, the submarine base fight. Uh, it's got the best henchman in Jaws. He is yes. genuinely scary at some points. Yeah. Like the 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 would it be a jump yeah, scare? Tell Moonraker. <laughs> but yeah, well, yeah. Moonraker is a different beast. But um, you know, <laughs> the bit on the train where he just appears, I legit, I'm a, I'm embarrassed to admit that I did legitimately jump at that. But yeah, yes. he's absolutely. Yeah, absolutely fantastic um it's got it's got some it's, yeah i said the humor is great the action is great it's a thoroughly interesting story it's just everything i could want from bond in one movie and that's why it's my favorite it's the one i'd definitely be most inclined to rewatch as soon as possible well there we go the spy who loved me 10 points from ja productions uh we're gonna let you go then if you need to run off yeah. but just quickly because i know you have literally just rebranded everything and you've started uh you know a couple of new youtube channel ventures and stuff where can people find you and uh you know shout out your new channels and such <laughs> all right so i i if my voice sounds familiar but the name doesn't i used to go by mario bowser 494 um maybe that will ring a few bells for some people uh yeah i rebranded the channel because I, I hated that old name to put it quite frankly but you know um but you could just go to the ja productions youtube channel for like film content and stuff if if the bond stuff interests you keep an eye out for my march film ranking because there are three bond films in that ranking uh tomorrow never dies well there's not enough and um die another day so i'll, I'll get to talk about those three in the in the video 
Um, as for, I mean, there's also um, J Productions Who, but that's like Doctor Who content. It's not really relevant to this. Um, this channel. Still, you can plug it. You may as well. <laughs> I mean, We're yeah. all nerds. <laughs> and if, and the only other major social media I say is Letterboxd. I'm just go by J Productions on there, and I'll have like more in depth thoughts on the on basically on all the the pre Craig Bond films. I'd, I'd awesome. say as well as just other stuff. I always have the link to our Discord in the uh, you know the comments and the. Um descriptions as well which jamie's quite active on and posting his uh, reviews and such so you can always check us out there as well so yeah thanks for agreeing to join us jamie and give us your bonds i will let you go because i know you need to shoot off but uh, yes, thank, thank, thank yeah, you for thank letting me come sorry i have to leave early so. no worries that's fine we'll uh, we'll just wrap things up here but uh, yeah thanks again and uh, last thing i'll say is um because we haven't um, we haven't mentioned it uh the moonraker ain't the ain't a perfect film but you know uh, it looks like bonds attempting re-entry is my favorite line in any film <laughs> 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 and on that bombshell, <laughs> see, right. see ya. Catch you later, Jerry. See ya. Well, so then, um, yeah. Well, we may as well. Why not just change it up a little bit? We may as well all do that and just rattle through our top four from four to one, and that will probably help us get done quicker, and uh, you know, help me to tabulate some things. So, Sandra, what would be your number? Three well, my number four was Skyfall. So then, ah. my three, two, one. Um, number three is no time to die. Um, really for the reasons that have already been mentioned, it was, it just tied back to almost every bond reference. I just felt it was a nice send off for Craig. It was, um, lots of good action. And, and again, the villain, I like Rami Malek and every, anything he's in pretty much. Um, okay. My number two was Goldeneye. Um, I just thought we saw a much more capable and more intentional Bond in this one. Um, you know, like he drives a t tank, he drives a plane. Um, his fighting with Xenia, uh, who I also thought I uh, mentioned before, just very cool to have a, a strong female protagonist. Uh, but I just really liked uh, how Bond came off in Goldeneye. Like I said, just a lot more capable. He could do anything and was prepared for anything. Yeah. And then my number one <laughs> is <laughs> go for it. Is Casino Royale? Yes, um, it is. <laughs> love Eva Green in this. Um, just from the first time she sat down and said, "I'm the money," she was just for Every me the money most. Of it. <laughs> yeah, for me, just the most charismatic, I thought, of all the Bond girls. Oh, yes. But um, the movie itself was just epic. I, I did like the opening where you saw his his first kill and was just reminded uh, that uh, that that shot led into the gun barrel shot. It You know, it was a part of the beginning, all in monochrome. So you could tell it was kind of like a prequel. Uh, but what's not to love about Casino Royale? Um, Le Chief uh, was just a very good villain. He was very oh, yeah. scary. He, he was very smart, very capable. Um, the torture scene I thought was hilarious. You know, you're going to die tickling my balls, he said. Yeah. I just thought that was yeah. funny. And then the twist in the end. Um, and then Eva Green's death scene. I just loved every bit of this movie. That oh, awesome. oh, and and in the the beginning, the the chase scene, uh, you know, uh, mm. he's got his oh, other guy. He's like, "Don't put your finger to your ear, you idiot!" Because they do that in all the movies. But yeah, how he just there's actually like a jaguar sound in the background when he's 
jumping over um, some obstacle um, of the building, all the construction. I just thought the action was fantastic. I love in that scene because I think it gave you a clue as to the kind of Bond Daniel Craig was going to be when the dude was like leaping, doing all this fancy parkour and Bond literally just rams himself through a wall. Yes. Forget yes. that. Bam. <laughs> but yeah, awesome, awesome. Oh, that's a cool number one. So awesome. That's uh, all of your list. So DK, what is your number four then for seven points? Do you want me to do them? Um... Or shall we alternate? Ramp, ramp the tension up a bit. What do you mean? Oh, me and you, you mean? Okay, yeah. go for it. <laughs> uh, my number four, Casino Royale. Oh, okay. Um, and why is that? Uh, not only did it have the best parkour since District 13, uh, it introduced <laughs> most of us to Mads Mikkelsen. It made a game of poker riveting, which I never Didn't thought would happen on a movie. And it had an absolutely banging theme by Chris Cornell. Yes, it did. Yes, absolutely. I love that theme. It's it's yeah, and and the intro. I mean, the actual the visuals and stuff that go with oh, it. God, right? yeah. Actually, using Bond and Vesper in the intro instead of like silhouettes or fancy, you know, representations was genius. It was um, it was it was just beautiful from start to finish. I think if if. I mean, it's, it's my personal opinion. If all the Bonds had been as good as, uh, if all the Craigs had been as good as Casino Royale, I would have been happy. That's fair enough. It's understandable. My number four is going to be Goldfinger. Um, we've kind of talked about a lot of the reasons why. Yes, I can't really get on board or forgive the idea of, oh, there's no such thing as a lesbian. She just hasn't been cured by the right dick yet, which is like, oh, I don't love it. Um, but as I said, that was very much sadly one of Ian Fleming's, you know, particular opinions. And the book is even worse. Uh, and, you know, at least it's tempered a little bit in the film. But I will say the reason I rank it so highly is because as much as Dr. No was the first Bond film, Goldfinger was the first one that set up the Bond formula. So it was the first one that, as Sandra already mentioned, the first time you had gadgets, the first appearance of the Aston Martin DB5 with the tripped out, like, you know, uh, nails coming out the back and rotating number plates and the objector seats and... Uh, yeah, fantastic. The first truly epic Bond theme, as I've said. And it's the one everybody remembers. The, the you know, the woman draped in gold is an iconic image. The, uh, as I've said, from the Alan Partridge quote, the guy with the laser beam up as Jaxie is everybody's, you know, uh, iconic moment or, or I expect you to die, not talk or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just lots of great sequences and iconic moments. Uh, I can't think what else now off the top of my head. But, yeah, you can just you can watch it and enjoy it, and you can see why it all became ingrained in consciousness. So that would be why it is my number four. <laughs> so I suppose we're now at your number three, DK. Yeah, and my number three is You Only Live Twice. Oh, You Only Live Twice gets eight more points then. So why? <laughs> as you've just been talking about Goldfinger, I had a you know a lot of iconic moments that people remember as being quintessential Bond. I think without remembering the title, a lot of people also feel like that about You Only Live Twice. You know the volcano layer, the Donald Pleasance blow felt, especially you know the after Doctor Evil and all that kind of stuff. I just think it's a, a roller coaster from beginning to end. And as I said, when Sandy brought it up. To me, it's got the single best shot in the entire Bond franchise that to uh, pull back and pan when they're running across the rooftops fighting. Yeah. The you know it, it goes with the John Barry soundtrack, and it's just it's perfect. Just yeah. I mean, perfect. 
all of the Bond uh, directions and soundtracks, it has to be said, almost to a point are all top-notch, really. So, yeah. <laughs> and sadly, one of the best songs is one we aren't talking about because of all the problems with it, but um, the uh, Paul McCartney, uh, Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die. Yeah, yeah, the best definitely. song, I think. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's the only one that was covered by Guns N' Roses. So. <laughs> uh, I do agree with you on it's a shame how they got rid of Aki. I don't agree with you on the other point. Yeah. Going, back your, uh, going back to your Maud Adams comment, I said I'll let you know. And I am letting you know, Mihama is absolutely stunning in this film as Kissy. Fair enough. I am well, in love every time I watch this movie. We all have different tastes. I'm still currently mourning the death of Paris Carver, so... <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> anyway <laughs> yeah that's fair enough uh so do you want my number three then go for it <laughs> my number three movie uh, again we've already talked about it a little bit is the spy who loved me i absolutely adore this film i think it is the top three are very interchangeable with me and i think the top three are like the top notch perfect bonds and the spy who loved me is brilliant I love the overall plot. I love the, the, as I've mentioned a few times, I love the, anytime it's kind of globetrotting and when it takes you to like Egypt and around the world and everything, uh, I think the Bond girl is actually very capable for once uh, and, you know, has a kind of her own thing going on as well as, uh, as well as Bond's mission. I love the underwater Lotus Esprit. It is the only car other than the Aston Martin that I will accept. And I suppose the remote control BMW, but you know, that gets trashed. So we'll forgive. <laughs> but yeah, I love that. Even though it's daft as a kid, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world that it was a Lotus Esprit that looked sweet. And then it could just drive into the river and become a submarine. <laughs> it was the coolest thing ever. And uh, yeah, the as I mentioned, the, the um, end fight, the kind of last act with the Derek Meddings uh, model shots and the various stunts and choreography, I think is outstanding. And yeah, I think uh, there's a reason why Alan Partridge calls this the greatest movie ever made and could act it out. And uh, go look up that scene if you haven't seen it, because it's was brilliant. That a great clip you sent. <laughs> Just Alan Partridge acting out the first like four or five minutes of The Spy Who Loved Me is brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so, DK, we're at your number two then for nine points. What would that be? Okay, and number two, it's been brought up several times before, and... Honestly, I didn't know until this top 10, but apparently it's not rated very highly. But my number two is Tomorrow Never Dies. Wow, okay. <laughs> and I think this is absolutely fantastic for a Bond movie, considering how much, how many problems they had behind the scenes when they were filming it. I think what's come out is as close to Bond perfection as you can get. I was surprised by that because I obviously don't hear these in advance and I didn't think you would necessarily... I didn't know you had uh, shared mine and Jamie's love of Tomorrow Never Dies. Well, but... I absolutely. I, uh, my first department had a uh, Tomorrow Never Dies movie poster, Pride of Place. <laughs> I think so, yeah, my, sis my sister's first department did as well. Oh, my God. And it, was, it was the fully huge one. It was like one that was in one of yep. the bush shelters previously yep. that she just uh, got out of there. Yeah, yep. <laughs> so trippy. <laughs> absolutely adore this movie i for this this is where bro i mean I, I did like golden eye but this is where brosnan became bond i wanted to be bond after seeing this instantly went out bought the novelization bought the making of book bought the soundtrack as i said which is still on my player all these years later yeah. i think there, there wasn't one member of the cast that let this down uh from terry hatcher michelle Yeoh, jonathan mm -hmm. price uh ricky jay they were all absolutely 
fantastic. I can't, the, I can't remember the guy's name, but the dude who plays um, the henchman is really good as well. Uh, yeah, got Otto. In the in the novelization, yeah. I think I think there was there, there was a problem with his nerves, where uh, he either didn't. I think I think his nerves were twisted, so every time he felt pain, he felt immense pleasure. So that's why when he stabbed him in the arm at the end, he has this grin on his face. <laughs> uh, yeah, I absolutely. Love, and I love the fact that Jonathan Price turns around and says what all Bond villains must have been thinking up until that point, where he just says, Mr. Stamper, will you please just kill those bastards? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, let me see as well, because it's uh, such a minor role, but Colin Salmon, incredibly underrated as Tanner, who debuts in uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think it, I think they were... I think this film is just, it's one, it's, it's well, obviously, otherwise it wouldn't be number two. It's its just one of the best. And I know we're disagreeing on the theme, but I think the KD Lang song is just. I just love that theme. I love Cheryl Crow's theme. It's, it's one of the. It, it it's a, it's a good nice. song, don't get me wrong. But KD Lang just trounces that. Well, I mean, agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> we have to run a podcast together, so we'll just have to agree to differ. <laughs> <laughs> Fair After enough. this, he'll be on the phone to Sandy going, Sandy, you can take over now. <laughs> Sandy, which is the better Tomorrow Never Dies theme? This is now the question that I ask everyone before recruiting them. I hate them both equally. There. Oh, well, then you're, you're definitely <laughs> on the scene. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I'll give you my number two then, and then we can uh, get on with the, our tops. So my number two, again, we've talked about it at length. It's Goldeneye. I adore GoldenEye. Um, it, I can't really remember it when it came out, other than the kind of being, as I mentioned, enamored with the viral campaign and stuff. But watching it every time since, I'm amazed by how better, like it's it's improved pace compared to most of the films that came before it. The way it moves at an absolute trot, the fantastic action sequences from the kind of uh, free jump, bungee jump dive at the start to the, the tank chase, especially through uh, Russia, is amazing. I think uh, Simeonova is really good. Actually, Isabella Skorupko is a great Bond girl. Famke Janssen is a fantastic femme fatale. I think Alan Cumming, even though he's, I'm you know, yeah. <laughs> he's leaving no scenery uneaten, is just crazy, you know? I am invincible. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> cool. Sean Bean, I think, was really good as well as the kind of the, the surprise twist, which I remember being quite shocked about at the time. of like, oh, 006 is actually the bad guy and uh yeah just so many cool lines because he made a better adversary and that he was you know coming from the same place bond was he knew bond's tricks i thought that was yeah. interesting too yeah but it's, it's, it was so many cool things as well that i always love in writing like I, I'm, I'm a sucker for a callback so i kind of loved it when it was like i'll give you six minutes the same six minutes you gave me <laughs> it's actually like two you know? so i was like oh, all right kind of cool i love it and um yeah, you know what I'm talking about. The fight in the bathroom stalls, great. All of the supporting cast are brilliant. Judy Dench's first appearance of M, which became great. I mentioned already the comedy in the queue sequence is brilliant. That's my lunch, etc. Um, yeah, can't really say anything else. I just love this. And yes, the game was great too. So, <laughs> so DK, what would be your number one for 10 points? Let's go. Yeah, I think you know what's coming here. And it wasn't a very liked movie when it first came out and judging from everybody's top 10 so far it still isn't but frankly yeah, i couldn't care yeah. less i love this with all of my heart my number one is moonraker <sighs> dk 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 right now there's a pigeon doing a double take to you mike <laughs> 
there should blooming be. <laughs> Look, I know you I, like Moonraker, but number one, I every <laughs> single scene I just absolutely love. It's like obviously they went the other way because they knew this, but it is like the spiral of me turned up to eleven, and I just. I just cannot fault it. it. It grips me every time. It's fun. I just enjoy it. I still laugh along with it at the little touches. I just, it is the Roger Moore era summed up in one movie. And I just, no, I, I, I refuse to, to just have to justify it. It's just the best. I can't with you. I just can't. It would be so low. I mean, I enjoy it as a kind of pseudo parody and it does have its charm, but it ruined Jaws with the ridiculousness and that stupid little pigtailed girl love interest. And I love ridiculous. <laughs> just the ludicrousness of, oh, I'm having a space station and you know, create my own master race up here. And then just, just because Star Wars was popular, you've got James Bond I, fighting with laser guns at the end. Pigeons do double takes as he drives by on a gondola on land. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, that's right. They said there was like literally every single um, slapstick reference was made during that gondola scene. It's just so it's beautiful using the close encounters theme as the keypad, the the whole glass vase thing. I just, no, I just. It, it, it made me long for Sheriff Pepper and the slide whistle Dukes of Hazzard. I just... adore this movie. <laughs> and there's an army of us out there. <laughs> well, I can't really, uh, I can't argue with it. As I say, I think it has its charm. But for me, just no, it got so much so wrong. And it was, yeah, it went too far for me, frankly. No, uh, no, there is no, this is what, this is, in, in the Bond movies, there's no such thing as going too far. And I love that it... it yeah, you hate die another day. <laughs> it, no, but you can go too far and be competent with it, or you can go too far and have <laughs> really shit CGI. Yeah, I know. <laughs> mm. I would not call Moonraker going too far and being competent with it personally, but again, oh. agree to disagree. <laughs> I love that you love it, and I love that it has its fans. And like I said, I can kind of see the charm, especially if you kind of grew up with it or whatever, but... As somebody who adored The Spy Who Loved Me and when I first watched two of these movies was like, ooh, let's see what's next. That's one of the best films ever. And I was like, what the F is this? I, I adore <laughs> it. I just adore it. I mean, I, I know it's just in your face. It, 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 it's, it treads a fine line between a James Bond movie and a carry-on movie. And I think that might be why I love it because I grew up with both. And they kind of, I don't know, it, it comes so close sometimes. It's basically an Austin Powers and film. did you see it very early on in your childhood? Because I do, when I read, like for everyone who hates a particular Bond film, there will be just as many who rate it super high on their list. And I wonder how much of it is tied to nostalgia. Oh, definitely. Definitely. As I say, it's, it's one of those that, was, that would be shown every bank holiday in the UK. Mm, definitely, yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> well, we've uh, we've dragged it on long enough, so I'm ready to give you my number one, which will be familiar to you. Drr, drum roll! Uh, my number one is also Casino Royale. <laughs> I adore this movie so much. I was, I, I again, I've watched it so many times because I love it. I think Eva Green is just something else. You can see why 
She was a superstar immediately after this film. She is fully believable as the woman that Bond would, you know, fall for, want to throw everything away for, feel the absolute sting of the betrayal of. She's sexy. She's competent. She's intelligent. She's, oh, she's just everything. She's amazing. Uh, and I'm in love with her and always will be as an actress and a character. I think it really, I was one of the naysayers who wasn't sure about Daniel Craig's Bond. And then I saw this movie and was like, well, shut me up. <laughs> I am completely in the wrong about that. I'm with UTK that they made a game of poker, an extended poker game, tense and captivating and everything that it shouldn't have been <laughs> just from brilliant direction. Mads Mikkelsen's great. As you've said, the torture scene's great. The opening kind of getting his double O status. I think the decision to retain Judy Dench's M paid dividends throughout them, starting with this movie. Uh, yeah, the supporting cast are all good, as I've said a few times, but I love um, Jeffrey Wright, his version of Felix Leiter, which again debuts here, I think is probably my favorite and I like them all. So, yeah, I mean, what else is there to say other than it's so good and the fact that it caps it off with the actual, you know, the first time you hear the Bond theme and hear him say the name's Bond, James Bond, is just, oh, chef's kiss. What a perfect way to end it. And it's my favourite Bond novel and it adapted it really well, even if I've still never quite felt the same level of uh, of sting, of shock and betrayal as I did when I first read the novel and was like, what? And when Bond literally kind of says, the bitch is dead because he's been so betrayed by Vesper. And yeah, I love it. I love everything about this movie. Love the parkour. Maybe I don't love the Richard Branson cameo, but, you know, it's two seconds. We'll get that over. Yeah, and I, can, I can gloss over that. Hey, if, if we can watch Home Alone 2 and enjoy it, we can get through Casino Royale. Yeah. yeah. I do like Probably. the fact that the poker scene is so intense. That yes. when, we're on a, when he's using his defibrillator, I just I, yeah. I kind of want that bit to hurry up so to get back to the poker. And that, to me, is a testament to just how well it's been directed and plotted. But again, I know I've talked about this a lot, but sometimes it's little lines that you remember that are just really well written. And the fact that Bond has kind of had to do all that, so he's had to change his shirt and everything, goes to sit down at the poker table and Le Chief, just as calm as you like, just goes, I do hope our little game is not causing you to perspire. <laughs> I'm like, oh, the chief. I, I love that when he turns around and then says, it could be worse. You know, I could be, uh, what is it? Bleeding from my... blood. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. But that's just it. That's that level of sort of chemistry, I suppose, with every character and everything as well. And yeah, I'm a sucker for the gadgets. And so I kind of do miss Q and that, but I don't even, I don't think I notice it until retrospectively looking back and thinking, oh yeah, that was very grounded for a Bond movie. There wasn't a lot of any of these gags or gadgets and stuff. And yet it's just perfect. It's a perfect spy movie. It's the best characters. It's the best direction. Yeah, I can't really say enough about it. So it's yeah, incredibly well written. It's it's, yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. well written, and I and I think that's kind of the problem in the later Craig films. I mean, this is just me speaking personally, but I think yeah. a lot of the time they were kind of dazzled by Sam Mendes' presence, mm. and they yeah. concentrated more on that and less on the tight plotting. Well, I mean, it, it's uh, for all that he had some problematic elements, Ian Fleming was a great writer. And I think the Casino Royale novel is very well, incredibly well written. And yeah. that was their basis. Whereas all three of the, all four of the following films aren't based on anything, their original writings. And I think it kind of shows that you, you know, <laughs> you can't step up and be like, I'm as good a writer as Ian Fleming. Let's do this. <laughs> because it's like, nah, I mean, come on. <laughs> You're never going to best Casino Royale. I mean, you know, no. the first ever Bond novel. It, and everything. To be fair, though, I mean, that's not, it, it's not the best franchise to judge it from when you look at like the Living Daylights and the entire Living Daylights novel is like the pre credit sequence. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, there's a lot of that, obviously. And like I said, things are chopped and changed and some things are completely different. And I mean, there's no laser fights in the Book of Moonraker, but again, Star I was Wars so was disappointed <laughs> yeah anyway we've talked enough about that so what we are going to do now uh, again if you're new to the top tens um sorry for keeping you guys i hope you don't mind staying around for a little tiny bit longer i'm going to hand it over to dk to give you our audience response because we've got a few sort of favorite uh, bond films and bits and pieces from the audience i'm going to disappear and try to tabulate a top 10 out of the scores hopefully that'll come together and uh, i'll come back with our final top 10 once he's finished but for right now over to you dk Okay. Uh, yeah, we asked uh, for feedback on the internet with regards to uh, people's favourite Bond movies. So I'm going to go through one as I received them today. Uh, Angela, who's made an appearance on the podcast before, she's put down that she is a particular fan of Casino Royale, surprise, surprise, uh, Goldfinger, Golden Eye, Live and Let Die, Diamonds Are Forever, which is the first time I've actually heard anyone bring that one up uh, in a positive light. Anyway, uh, she says, not in any particular order. Those are just her favorites. Now, Nick, again, who appeared on the podcast, he got back. He says he, he loves Golden Eye. Uh, he does like uh, the Daniel Craig ones, although he couldn't separate them in much in terms of what actually happened in the majority of them. Now, going over to uh, Facebook, so if you just bear with me one second. Okay. Adrian Facebook uh, says it wouldn't be a bank holiday without James Bond. So he says congratulations for uh, for recording the podcast on today of all days. Uh, I'm counting down from his number five. He's got five, Dr. No. At number four, You Only Live Twice. Number three, The Spy Who Loved Me. Number two, Octopussy. And at number one, for your eyes only. So I'll be having words with you, Adrian. Now, uh, Rick said, uh, favorite Bond films? Uh, he's got You Only Live Twice, Live and Let Die, which was the first Bond film he saw at the cinema, uh, Living Daylights, Tomorrow Never Dies, if only because it's got Michelle Yeoh in it. And then he's got a winky emoji, so I think we know where he's headed with that. And Die Another Day. Uh, <clears throat> he says he encapsulates all the OTT daftness of the previous ones. I told him I'm not sure about Die Another Day. And he replied, you've got to understand the inherent pastiche of film number 20. The plot and ideas are almost all elements from the previous ones. It's a shame it has some really ropey effects, though. I didn't pick any of the Craig films because they're a complete series of five films that feel more like a DC Comics Elseworld story. And while Casino Royale isn't bad and has many elements from the novel, the pacing is all over the place. And personally, I think all the rest aren't that great. Now, Sean on Facebook, uh, who I consider pretty much a Bond connoisseur, he's uh, been well into it for as long as I've known him. Uh, he touts uh, his favorite movies on a Magic Secret Service, Goldfinger, The Spy Who Loved Me, from Russia with Love and another vote here for Tomorrow Never Dies. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot more popular than those on Letterboxd are actually making out. So, uh, let me see. And I've got some what Mike sent over. Connor uh, gave us uh, You Only Live Twice on a Majesty's Secret Service, Man with the Golden Gun, A View to a Kill, Golden Eye, Casino Royale, and Skyfall. Uh, Rick Everson 
says the first Bond movie he saw was Man with the Golden Gun, a more defined Bond for me. The eyebrow, the delivery of innuendo, I'll always love him as Bond for me. Also had a slightly tongue-in-cheek manner and just always looked like he was really enjoying himself, which I loved. And he says, look, I get to mess around with silly gadgets, look cool, and a smooch ladies. Now, uh, I believe this is from your group, Sandy, Captain Thordell, is that right? That's right. Yeah, he says Goldfinger, or he or she, I'm not sure. Uh, Goldfinger is my favourite overall movie. Jaws from Roger Moore era is one of the greatest villains ever, though. Uh, and then uh, had a reply from I Gage, 1979, I believe. Said, I agree with Jaws. The spy of me was probably Moore's best. Uh, <clears throat> and then went on to say, Little Game, what's your favourite film from each actor? Uh, doesn't... I don't think there's a follow-up. He says, Pierce Brosnan's my favourite looking Bond. He actually looks like a womanising spy who shoots first and doesn't want to get his suit dirty. Daniel Craig is a good Bond for Casino Royale because he just gained his double O status. He's still rough around the edges. Daniel Craig just looks like he'll throw down first before he pulls a pistol out. Oh, and then we did get a, uh, a favourite film. Connery Goldfinger from Russia With Love is a very close second. There's no reason to mention Lazenby, although it was not the worst Bond movie ever made. Uh, more, I have a deep love of Moonraker, good man, because it was the first Bond movie I saw in the theatre when I was seven. Spy Who Loved Me is probably his best movie, though. Dalton, he says, The Living Daylights was his only movie even worth mentioning. And Brosnan, Goldeneye, of course. Craig, Casino Royale, Daniel Craig in general is a great actor, but after Casino Royale, I got really bummed by all the I'm too old for this shit storyline. I also hate that they killed M. And Cap Thordo says, the Craig movies for me also went too far into, lack of a better word, realism. I really missed the fantastic evil plots and gadgets. Okay. Which and... Mike will like. <laughs> we'll appreciate that opinion. <laughs> yes. And Mike also found someone, I believe, on Letterboxd who... Uh... Oh, uh, Toby over on our Discord before we get to that. He says he's only seen the Craig movies, so he's going, He's counting down number five, Quantum of Solace, number four, Skyfall, number three, Spectre, number two, Casino Royale, and number one, No Time to Die. And then uh, someone on uh, over on Letterboxd, David Sims, which who Mike, Mike found earlier, gave us his top 12. And I'm going to mention top 12 instead of 10, because at number 12, he's got Quantum of Solace. Uh, 11, Live and Let Die. Number 10, Spy Who Loved Me. Nine, No Time to Die. Eight, Doctor No. Seven, You Only Live Twice. Six, Golden Eye. Five, Goldfinger. Number four, Skyfall. Number three, Honor Majesty Secret Service. Number two, Casino Royale. And at number one, he's got From Russia with Love. Awesome stuff. I'm back. And I have the top 10 list. Um, yeah, pardon my funky chart music. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do the countdown then from 10 to 1, uh, and I will say now we have two ties, weirdly enough, and they are at the very bottom and very top of this chart, so it's kind of bizarre the way that worked out. Um, yeah, so let me just get into it, uh, see if there's any surprises. At joint number 9 with 10 points is On Her Majesty's Secret Service and Moonraker. And yes, DK Muraker did make the list because you put it at your number one and gave it 10 points. So congrats on sneaking that one in there. Um, at number eight with 13 points is No Time to Die. 
very good performance for the most recent Bond film. Uh, at number seven is You Only Live Twice with 15 points. One point above that at number six is Goldfinger. Uh, at number five with 18 points is The Spy Who Loved Me, thanks to me and Jamie. At number four, uh, only one point higher with 19 points, Tomorrow Never Dies. Surprisingly popular as it turns out. Uh, one point above that at number three with 20 points, Skyfall. And so we have a joint number one. Drum roll, please. With 30 points, our number one Bond film is both Goldeneye and Casino Royale. Wow. So there we go. We couldn't split them in the end. Our greatest Bond film apparently is a tie between the first Pierce Brosnan and the first Daniel Craig. Casino Royale and Goldeneye, our top Bond film. So, uh, yeah, what do you guys think about that then? <laughs> I think that's fair. I do I too. Think... I think it's fitting. It, yeah, you they're, know, they're, I they're thought... both extremely good movies, so. I had never tried ranking them before, and I thought, <laughs> yeah, and... It's funny how it's not like, oh, I like Roger Moore, so all the Roger Moores fit here, and I like no, Daniel Craig the best, so all the Daniel Craigs fit here. It, it's so not that, even though each Bond was very, very different from the previous, and even when the rest of the showrunners were the same, they still you know, change it up enough to give it a different flavor in honor of the new actor, but there was still so much to love and dislike about almost every single film that came out until until Casino Royale, because I think that one just has nothing to dislike, in my opinion. But yeah, I just Except thought it was just very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, well said, because I think, like I said, we could do we could do multiple lists. We, we ranked the movies, but we could easily do, you know, top five Bond girls, top, you know, how we would rank the Bond actors, top gadgets, top villains. And top there are so kills. many things. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, one-liners, bits and pieces. And there are so many elements that go into this that, you know, even if you don't like one particular Bond movies, you might love an element of that and uh yeah as i said we, we could all well have our favorite bond but that doesn't mean that all of their movies get into your top 10 or that all of the others don't for whatever reason though and i think we ended up with a varied list and uh hopefully everyone felt a bit represented because i mean i think it was yeah I, nobody really had any one consensus <laughs> we all had different well with the exception of me and sandra both having casino royale at number one which was a weird unplanned coincidence i think we all had kind of different views so yeah awesome so, uh, yeah, that will conclude things for this very long top 10 episode then. Uh, I will just have to, again, thank our third podcast member, Sandra. Thanks for, again, coming on and uh, coming to our rescue and doing a lot of hard work for us. <laughs> Happy to. Awesome, awesome. Do you have anywhere people can find you? I still internet, don't, but I'm, I'm working on that. <laughs> That's fair <laughs> enough. Awesome. Uh, you can find me in DK uh, using any of the links in our descriptions. We're all over the internet on Instagram, on um, Letterboxd, on Mastodon, or Discord's on there, of course. So you can always find us or the podcasts on there. And uh, yeah, so thanks uh, again for joining me, DK. For <laughs> Turns out we have a lot of uh, our favorite things in common, and it just happens to include Bond as well. <laughs> yes, yes, God, it's like brother from another mother. Indeed, I can't second your love of Moonraker, though. <laughs> well, you should. One day you'll have an epiphany. 
<laughs> I am tempted to put it on just for fun. <laughs> yeah, but never mind. So yeah, um, join us again. We will be back in just one week, I believe, when this airs, with our review of Evil Dead 2013. And what do you know? The people that are gonna be on that episode are the exact three people who are in front of you right now. <laughs> it's, myself. So <laughs> it's myself, DK and Sandy. So you know, familiarity. Let's hope it's not breeding contempt. But uh, yeah, uh, join us for that. We will be uh, reviewing a scary, spooky movie. And uh, yeah, all that remains for me to do is to say thanks oh. for joining us. Let's all celebrate yeah. our love. Can I do uh, the sign off? Can I start the you sign off? Absolutely one? can. And uh, I'll throw it to you, DK, for to sign us off. Okay. For England, Mike. For England, DK. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs>